Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benno. I'm JP. And I'm Gareth. You might not be able to tell from his voice, but you've been in the wars, haven't you, JP? You were just telling us uh, off air in our, in our pre-show um, that yeah, you've uh, you went you went in, you got your uh, you got your COVID jab, and I think what our listeners want to know is why you got your COVID jab. Did you get a kebab um, at the same time? And mainly, how are you feeling, mate? You all right? <laughs> Today has been the worst day of it. Um, Mm. To cut to the kebab question first, it wasn't open. Um, Yeah. One of a load of people with high-vis jackets on outside, which you would have thought that would have been prime business time for them. But as you go into the East Oxford Medical Centre, you notice that there's also (laughs) a side door next to the pharmacy for the Persian, uh, for the restaurant end of the kebab house that's on top. (laughs) So, like, queued around. thing was, I was fucking hungry. As well, what I was queuing around there because it was around lunchtime. I was like, "No, oh, Jesus, half one here. I could, I could do with this." But no, had the jab. Mm. Um, I didn't, you know, I didn't have an Arnie and Total Recall moment and start freaking out in the chair. So um, <laughs> it all seemed to work out all right. Like you know, your arm gets a bit dead, and you think, "Well, I'm fine with that." Got some chores in, all good. All of a sudden, um, like like today get like on the way to work thinking oh my god i'm gonna puke am i gonna shit myself <laughs> like i don't know where i what's going on here i get into work my boss sees me just like mate go home and i was just mm. like i didn't think it'd kick in um so i came back and i slept all day and then when i did wake up i was kind of very very lethargic i'm feeling a bit more now and the podcast is waking me up but that's possibly the best way to take in what amounted to about four hours of japanese wrestling before we started, <laughs> um, it's just a lie there. And you dedicated when me. we talk about some of the ma- well, you talk about some of the match durations. If you can't move, I don't think that's necessarily the worst thing. It wasn't quite Malcolm McDowell in there, but yeah, jabs and kebabs in uh, in that place. <laughs> what a wonderful, um, what a weird health center. I, I didn't believe it until I saw the picture of it, and well. the, it, if people haven't seen it, it literally, there literally is a kebab shop underneath. Like, I recommend you go and get the chicken kebab, JP. I'm just glad that it was closed, mate. That'd be perfect. You know? Opposite there Three is about four other kebab shops. <laughs> like, that specific center is kebab heavy. Like, really heavy. Good kebab shops. Antep Kitchen is really nice. But it's just like, who thought we need another one? Clearly, there's no houses if you go up that road. So it's like you're either going to walk to an allotment mm. and think, well, I could have a shish along the way, I suppose, while, you know, walking up there with my trowel. Or you're going to the car park of the place as well, where you're just getting in your car to drive. It's not really a place where you're going to eat the kebab. It, it just seems utterly 
futile, but it exists there. I don't so, understand yeah, how the... kebab shops survive. Like, you know, it makes sense three in the morning when you're in town and you're pissed and you're like, oh, fuck it, I'll have a kebab house burger or I'll have a yeah, bit of horrible doner meat or whatever. That makes sense. But, like, the ones by me, I see people queuing up at, like, six o'clock on a Tuesday night. It's not even the weekends. Like, I, I can't even good imagine. Oh. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is, good, yeah. Good Turkish food, like, when you get good... True, food. when you get a good quality one. Like, like, we shouldn't yeah. do down the, the entire... Like, proper kebab. Like, I've been in Germany before and gone to, like, yeah. kebab shops there where it's it's actual kebab and it's good quality food. You're right, yeah. It's the muck that that's we That's normally the, the thing we do in Germany, isn't it? That's mm. normally been the default thing is that oh, we end true, up the finding van. a Turkey. Yeah turkish restaurant and you just go yep mm. just like when in doubt just get like a proper sort of quality shish kebab but yeah it's it's very good for that and i'd also recommend like um green lanes between turnpike lane and manor house like it's just awesome <laughs> you ever in the oxford area everyone <laughs> yeah. oh yeah no that's in london mate. oh is it oh okay uh, sorry sorry so yeah um next, next your horse, yeah right? i've 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 been struggling the internet here. Well, it's not the internet here. My laptop's playing silly buggers as well. But yeah, we're surviving, mate. In long story short, glad to hear. You were saying, be the pre-show Gareth, yours, uh, you're amongst all our chat about uh, Britpop and, uh, and other associated things we just spent forty minutes talking about in the pre-show. Um, yeah, you were saying yours is uh, is coming up as well. Yeah, I got it booked for this weekend, and it's um, it's at Anfield, so I kind of like half half expected like walk out of there, just been like dead pro European Super League or something like that, like <laughs> just sort of like brain brainwashing you in some way via the jab. But at first, when I saw it, like it was the option of going there to Southport or Formby or something like that, and I was like, oh, I'm not going to Anfield because everyone will be fucking wanting to go to Anfield, just oh. like knobheads will just be wanting to go in there, wanting to go in the ground. Know. That's where I got my test done when I used to go, like, used to. Because you can get them like sent to your house now, can't you? But when I was getting tested, and I used to go to when I lived in Walton, I go to Anfield all the time. It was all right, you know. They had a good system. It was just weird yeah, being a fucking just... Anfield for, for for a COVID test. It was just the strangest thing. But Sarah, Sarah said to me, "Don't forget though, like oh, no blues are going to go there for the COVID test, probably." So she was like, "I bet the queues are smaller at Anfield." And then I weighed it up, and I, I could get in a week quicker at Anfield. And then I was like, "Ah, oh, yeah, good, good thinking there." So, uh, so yeah, so I'm off off this Saturday. Just um, as I was saying before, sandwich in between that La Liga weekend there that I didn't mm. want to blow with those top four going out here with three points between them. It's a <laughs> real tail race from the uh, honest, not the best league in the world. You're going to join in an invasion there like the um, Man U fans did on Sunday. Fucking hell. You're not thinking of do- doing a bit of that while you were there? No, no. If I, not that I asked. <laughs> I was, I was in um, Black Lodge again on Sunday in Liverpool. Like it's, it's great, great outdoor outdoor area for a bar. If you want somewhere safe to go, that's the place to go. And while we were there, my mate Alan, whose birthday it was, was gutted because that Liverpool United game was on, and we couldn't watch it there. And then turned out fine because it got fucking writ off anyway so it worked out all right we were there we got some good um some beers there some of the uh you know what are they called i can't remember the name fuck the, the wrestling brewery top right brewery some of those top, top right brewery. beers uh yes i will edit that um <laughs> 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 Got some great uh, top rope beers while while I was there. Yeah, it was uh, it was good. <laughs> it was very nice. Yeah. Papa Mango. I did a good really job on Twitter stars. as well. I got some real traction as well going. I got a conversation going. Papa Mango is their best <laughs> bit. Yeah, there's a few of these that look nice. I know. Mm. I know they're the match rate. Did they were they 
rating a Gagano versus um, Adam Cole match. Yeah, that was um, so. Shock the Citra was the name of it, and they had like a they basically like okay. the, the, they got all of the beers now. Like the, obviously, there's the the old Roddy Roddy Porter one and the uh, the Cold Cream was it Cold Cream Steve Austin one that one um, Cold Stone Cream Austin isn't yeah, it? Yeah. That's the name of it. They got, a, they got a million versions of that now, uh, but that's like their their most famous one. But yeah, they got a Shock the Citra and a Head of the Table, uh, the Roman Reigns theme yeah. one, and they've got like it made me laugh. The Head of the Table. Table one had the little sticker on the side. Best enjoyed while watching Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre. That's like, yeah, <laughs> Gareth would not enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, I saw that sticker and I wasn't having it. They've got like a Triple H one that I really like, but then because it's a Triple H beer, I won't fucking buy it. Mm. <laughs> Just uh, getting to petty levels, that's a problem, isn't it? When you get that uh, crossover, there's no way I'm having the fucking Drew McIntyre stickered one. Well, I'm no Adam Cole fan, and that Shock the Citra was a very, very nice beer. So, you know, uh, I think that one was paired up with uh, Cole Gargano, um, which again, I don't want to watch the match. But I'll drink the beer. They've got, they've got good stuff there. Um, so yeah, that's what I was doing while that game was on. I'm loving Liam in the chat here. Just going blue chew next. <laughs> just get this isn't even a sponsorship. Shape. I just really like the beer. Right. It's just really nice stuff. They can give us a sponsorship. Well, shout out to blue chew. I'll do it. I'll be cutting straight to the point with what your product does. <laughs> and you manscape. Yeah. I need Look to hear JP doing manscape. Get a bit drunk, and if you fancy, you know. Shaving your erect penis and have some blue chew and manscapes. (laughs) Combo. There it is. (laughs) Look at that. All that product placement in there for nothing. Telling the folks, honestly, yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, like the ad to lead this on it on Red Circle will be something to do with like a Visa Mastercard or something like that. That's the. Uh... Well, that's the type of advert. Has anyone had any interesting ones in the chat from the? Uh... Hopefully, they're not too intrusive. I am working on that. I got told that the uh, the end of last week's podcast that there were like three adverts in, like the last three minutes or something like that. Sorry, um, that's me not knowing how it works. It should be reduced to maybe one or two at most. But uh, they're all very uh, professional. I don't I don't know what uh, what Red Circle think. Uh, we're up to over on here, over on Spotlight here, but yeah, nothing, nothing too uh, low, bro. I said to you guys, it's very ABC one. This when you're mm. listening and a visa ad turns up, it's it's not right. <laughs> I don't know if they should be listening. You know, here's an advert for Mastercard, and then us three chances turn up talking about professional wrestling and other assorted bollocks, and it's it just feels like okay. <laughs> I, I'm sure we're tarnishing your brand, if anything. Oh, Look at this, Gunny got a, got a German Aldi ad. Yes, we are. We are. Yeah. We are hitting the target. Santander ad. Oh, amazing! Yeah, a COVID jab one. That's good. Yeah. Public service. I'm happy I'm with, that. Right with that. <laughs> oh, German Aldi. That makes me so happy. Hopefully, they're the promoting the fantastic. Uh, Aldi beers, although I don't know, I don't know what the what, what the German range will be like. I imagine it'll be much better. In fact, actual real beer, not the uh, pretend uh, craft beers that we have over in our one. Of which, yeah. when I went last week, literally they had like twenty of them left, and I just bought them all and put them all in my basket. So apologies to anyone in the south of Bulgaria who wanted the uh, the craft beers from Aldi. <laughs> Good stuff though. <laughs> You're like that. You're like that asshole when you're in the queue in the chippy and you're looking and there's only like one sausage left or something like that, and you know you're going to order it, and then like the fucker in the queue in front of you gets it. Yeah. <laughs> that's me. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's sweeping up all the beers. You bastard. <laughs> hey, I'll take that. If Aldi want to uh, reach out, give us some uh, proper uh, instruction, JP. We'll do that. We'll oh, give yeah. some Aldi ads. You're a fan yeah, of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Mate, I'll, I'll advertise most things. 
<laughs> Not like Hitmen and stuff. That would probably be a bit much. But, you know. <laughs> Again, else. not entirely averse to it. So mm. yeah, it, it would it would be the same. Yeah, these it's a weird thing. Those mm. embedded ads, but God bless you, Red Circle. They're fucking working hard on behalf of us, aren't they? There you go. Yeah, we appreciate. We appreciate it. about Podbean the better, but we'll leave that alone. <laughs> Mate, I've been dealing with them in emails all week. Uh, nightmare, but anywho, yeah, Red Circle are our, are our overlords now. But yeah, yeah, that obviously, uh, hopefully, uh, it's not too intrusive for everyone. There'll be a, a an ad free version of the podcast uh, over on the Patreon side if anyone's uh, interested in that. But yeah, over on the on the Patreon side, we did have a uh, speaking of beers, we had a hell of a uh, a chat this weekend. It's like I don't know what it is, but it seems to be our most uh, well received episode we've done maybe it's just the fact that we got andy on uh of graps and claps game maybe it's the fact we were talking about toilets and uh and beers or whatever maybe we found out our target audience there as well but we had a, a hell of a time uh, this weekend didn't we doing the uh the where the uh, our first episode of, uh, of five to one our top five worst venues with uh, a lot of uh, hearty burials of some uh, venues up and down this country as well as abroad um your ranter <laughs> carrot seems to have <laughs> received uh quite well it wasn't just david bixon's man uh there's also use uh that same uh, what's the place called elms lodge is that the one the evolve venue Elm Elmcore Centre. Elmcore, that's it. Yeah, yeah. That was a that was that was a fun that was a fun little uh, time we had there. Good few beers on Friday. It was it was it was a bit fucking odd though when I like opened Twitter the following day or the day after and I just saw the Phil Mitchell head with some kind of weird talking talking mouth thing going JP's on with, handy with my voice with my voice coming out of it. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I thought you'd like that. Oh, I, did, I did enjoy it in the end, but it was a bit of a shock to the system at first. I was like, what's going on here? <laughs> oh, Liam wasn't happy in the chat at, uh, at Andy, Barry and Birmingham again. Don't know what Andy's issue with this with Birmingham. Unbelievable. I never said a bad thing about we- it. Birmingham and Sheffield got got a slagging off the academy as well. Yeah, that's a, oh yeah, I suppose so as a, as a venue. But Birmingham and Sheffield got the uh, the short straw, I think, from uh, from that episode. But we got some demons out, didn't we, JP? Oh, we did. We did. Um, got our demons out about arenas early mm. on, which was good. Um, like Sasha's, mm. it seems like a, a, <laughs> the TripAdvisor are, are reviews for Sasha's Hotel. Mm. Is, is it Hotel, isn't it? Sasha's Hotel. <laughs> seem Knock and like Incredible <laughs> in and of itself, yeah. I've only ever um, heard it as a name. I've, I've like, uh, it's just like it seems mythical almost, Sasha's. <laughs> it's just whenever it comes up. Yeah. Like, so I was glad to get the full story of that final. I've, yeah, that that just seems terrible. But I mean, uh, you know, all, a lot of the places that, that Andy mentions, and being able to remember the toilets in a lot of these places as well. It is it we York Hall, I think in particular, getting Get fucked. Possibly, I, I, I'm not telling you where to put I, it, everyone, but I put it high for anyone who hasn't listened. Yes, yeah. and I stand by it because fuck again. My main things with venues, it's 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 getting served at the bar, and it's and generally like the bouncers there, utter cunts. I was glad to get a, a bit of feedback from people uh, agreeing with the uh, with the assessment of your call as uh, prestigious as a venue as it allegedly still is. But if we if we do the if we do the best ones though, Benno, um, on there, you're mm. thinking to yourself, I think the copper box would be up there. Fuck uh, you, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> And I'm pretty much sure Gareth would agree because I was literally sat next to him at the show watching it. Oh, so yeah, I was yeah. just like, this, the whole time looking around about how great it is. Sorry, never just to had be, to get never a bit to of be beaten. Never, See, never to be beaten, that venue. Look, it seems like it's the exception to the rule with, uh, with, with mid-sized arenas, I suppose you would call it. Mm. 
I'll go this year, mate. It'll happen. Or next year. I'll uh, I'll get myself back there. But yeah, I thought it was interesting. Some people giving us some suggestions of places like we didn't mention, like Fusion mm. and Liverpool came up a couple of times. Uh, Gareth, I never had the problem with it. Like, I think that was my that was my thing. With I didn't think I'd come up with the top five because, to be honest, like, even if I went to a new shit, if there's a bar and a good atmosphere, I don't really care. And it, sometimes if it's bad, I kind of enjoy that. Like we didn't include any um, social clubs. Like I've been to a few social clubs for wrestling and don't get me wrong, they're fucking, you know, it's uh, it's not the most uh, high class experience when you go to a social club. Like this is wrestling round one in uh, Ormskirk, I think it was that I, that I went to. And it is literally just like, it's the function room. You, It's literally, you know, that green colored carpet that's been there for 40 years. And like, you know, fairy looking chairs. Uh, um, and it's just, it is the most low rent thing you could get for Brit Res. But there's something about it that's charming, I think. Like I said, mm. even even the gym that, you know, in Bootle at uh, Sabootle took place at, you know, it was a shitty gym where I played badminton every other weekend. But, you know, Sabu was there, so that was pretty fucking cool by me. <laughs> like this, it was actually hard to come up with uh, with bad ones, but I did think it was interesting. Yeah, some people mentioned uh, some different ones that we hadn't had. Um, like I say, Fusion being chief among them again. That's one where it was so, it's small. Like, if anyone's ever been there, it's got, like, those chandeliers you might have seen in the pictures, JP, uh, with, like, the big, big lights coming down. Um, and yeah. it's when there's 50 people there, it's incredible. When they rammed it, yes, it was a struggle to see. But even then, yeah, I don't really mind a venue like that, I think. And they've out, TNT have outgrown it, and I'm glad they don't run it anymore. But, yeah, that wasn't it when that was, I, I was concerning with. Any, anything from those uh, come up to you? Is that a, got a special place in your heart, uh, Fusion, uh, Gareth? Did you ever go there for shows? Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd like. I don't mind fusion again. Like same as you, really. I just it, with wrestling, I, I find it hard to like find a bad venue because like part of the thing for me is just the wrestling takes you to these venues that you would literally never go to yeah. for anything else in your life. You know, you're never going to go there for a gig, or you're never going to go there for mm. you know some good comedy act or something like that. You know, mm. it's only wrestling that takes you to these weird fucking back end like hotels or clubs or you know you know weird nightclubs or just dingy little dirty little places mm. that you you know they've got on the fucking cheap or something like that and that's part of the fun and part of the charm of it for me mm. and like, like you say as long as you can get a uh, get a couple of beers nearby or get mm. a couple of beers in the venue and all that then that's a uh, that's half the battle but like just you saying there you know i'm even just thinking about stuff when i was trying to put my list together and struggling to make my five even like that hollowed out swimming pool in the gull like oh, yeah. in it's theory, great venue. Shit, in, in theory, shit venue. In yeah. reality, great venue. Yeah, like, you know, it's a hollowed out swimming pool. Like perfect for wrestling. You can get up on the side and the rings down on the floor and yeah. things like that. Brilliant. It always looked great, didn't it? Like they do like MMA there and stuff. I think it's maybe just training rather than like, but it's like literally doubled as a fighting spirit school while they were open. Oh yeah, we had great. The only problem with there was, and I think the one the one time Andy came up and met you, me and you there, uh, Gareth. The gutting thing about that was there's no booze because it is literally no just <laughs> it is just a swimming pool. So like you're not getting you might. I think I remember Andy was necking the fruit shoots, so it was a a different graphic. <laughs> it did. He, he drunk. I think he drunk them out of fruit shoots, and they ended up on the. Dark fruit shoots, like whatever, you know, like yeah, yeah, Costco's own brand of fruit shoots or something like that. But uh, yeah, fucking hell, that was a, you, that was an experience. I've just remembered kind of talking about. Um, sorry, I was just gonna say, I just remembered talking about fusion. Like, so I was gonna say about that. Like, I remember because that was a great like PCW used to run there as well. I remember once my mate was telling me that like his uh, his cousin or something was doing some white collar boxing on like that on like a Friday at Fusion in town, and it only it was only the day of he was telling me about it. I was like, 
I'm pretty sure PCW is supposed to be running there tonight. And I looked into it, and yeah, the venue just fucked PCW off. I actually sent, I tried to do, like, I regret it now, but I tried to do my uh, my good duty and, uh, and send them a message. So, did you know there's boxing going on here tonight? I don't think your show's taking place, lads. And uh, they never got back to me, though, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> there's, there's, still, there's still that fusion, though, with those, like, undercards, so, you know, their, mm. their contenders shows, like their next mm. level shows, they tnt in town so if if you come up that weekend jp if you're still around on the sunday you can get your infusion there's a there you go. tick that one off on your list as well i'm i'm mate i'm up for it like i agree with you guys entirely it's about going to kind of discover these weird venues mm. like the crawford arms uh, where good wrestling runs so it's like a metal pub and it's just in a small hall out the back and you can't fit really anything more than like 130 like i would never have found the cockpit if it mm. wasn't for Rev Pro, like all of these kind of things are a lot more fun. I think it's like a lot of our stuff was mainly the kind of it's like for the bigger shows for companies who should know better quite often for like a lot of the ones that that we had on our list. But you mentioned it there about places you'd never go to, like the Avoc for me. I would I would be horrified what the Avoc is like on a Saturday night <laughs> and about one a.m. However, going there for PCW, walking through as you're walking past a like a black sheet mm. which you can clearly see wrestlers planning their matches out as you walk through there into this kind of venue down there and there's for some reason a group of people who get to sit in a vip area next to the <laughs> the, the entrance way like these are things i just sit there and go this is amazing because we've wandered into phoenix knights territory mm. which is which is kind of i think that's that's like kind of half the fun for it going to like a school near me peers academy for like a, a wrestling show mm. and it's just like watching a load of kids fucking run in the ring half time chris chris roberts not knowing what to do pollyanna having to run down to get rid of them and bollock them all as their mums just sat there <laughs> just a, an odd <laughs> chain of events <laughs> oh, mark in the chat saying apparently uh, he's got tokyo down as his worst uh, japanese venue um but he just knows he does like sumo hall that is when you hear uh you hear negative uh things about a few shots for clap and grand um in the chat as well mm. uh, matthew lapham backing up uh tokyo dome national sports center and a uh, crystal center. paris couple of votes yeah i've seen that yeah some uh some uh particularly uh negative ones there some uh ones that uh yeah people aren't fun i i, I think for me like if i was in japan if i was in tokyo dome it'd just be i'm in the tokyo dome that's enough it's a bit like you know i didn't include that chicago venue the all-state arena because i was there for a wrestlemania it was like as shit as it was sat near the back row it was still WrestleMania, you know what I mean? It was kind of like a, a tick box yeah. exercise more than anything. Yeah, mm-hmm. and exactly. And you tick that box, it's fine. And a lot of those, if you've gone to enough football games, you've been to stadiums. Mm-hmm. You know what the stadium effect is like. You know what you're getting from it. Mm-hmm. So I don't think with stadiums they would kind of have that on you. Whereas going to something like Kurokan, for example, mm-hmm. is a, so much more appealing because there's this obvious history and about how mm-hmm. how small it is, but at times how it can look weirdly cavernous at the back. But you know that it isn't, because when you see photos from people you know have actually gone to shows, you're like, my Christ, there's no bad sight lines there at all. It seems brilliant. But yeah, mm. intimacy as we get older. It's like what you want from your music venues, mm. isn't it? To tie it back earlier on. And you want a bit of an intimate venue, not going to fucking Earl's Court or the uh, O2 sat at the back. Mm. Definitely, definitely. Like Ian mentions in the chat there, the Rex Plax as well. That's one I never got to uh, to go to. Was, that was one of the ones where it looked terrible on DVD, and I bet you it was terrible uh, in person as well. Um, but yeah, like I say, I think um, 
we'll have to do that podcast on like favorites at some point and like do it do our, mm. our top five venues because there's definitely a definitely some there i've got love for even bad ones um that i've got some love for but yeah that's uh over on the uh, the patreon side if anybody uh fancies it from last week uh jp do you want to tell the people what else uh, we've had uh, going on on patreon lately yes so on patreon we we've been doing our, our weekend updates and our daily updates as well keeping everyone uh up to date and informed with those we if you haven't gone back we obviously did our uh, flashback on wrestling society x we've had deep cut episodes as well we're going to be doing this week uh british lads and uh, Brit- brits abroad mm. which um a bit like again, bravo show booze the brits abroad but without the booze that's the uh, that's the fact yeah or <laughs> banged up Brit- oh, that was another good one it just, well, wasn't it or is it just banged up abroad i think it was banged up abroad. booze the brits abroad yeah, was great it though it was just following a load of lads on like stag dudes in poland or russia or whatever somehow that was a tv show that got on Man. telly <laughs> All I've heard about stag do's in Poland are things that are just the most, the biggest of red flags. So, mm. like, the idea of following a group of lads with a video camera as this goes around seems like it could end up horrible. But, yes, we've also, also, um, yeah, we've we've had all of our sort of past shows have been going now since January we've been doing this. So we've actually got, like, kind of our old movie reviews. If you want to go back and listen to our review of The Running Man, um, which was easily the best of the films on there. And we managed to fit in enough Predator in there as well. So, yes, go to patreon.com forward slash grapple. Good lad. Yeah, and again, this is the time to do it. Um, it is the, as mm. we speak, um, the fourth of the month. Um, so, yeah, good time to uh, join it. Kind of, it's Patreon. It, it fucking, it charges people like New Japan World. I don't love it either. We can't back out of it now. It's one of them. So if you, jo- if you join us now, you get a full month's worth uh, and then you'll get charged uh, again on the, uh, we'll on make the it work, next eh? month. But we'll make it worth your while. Like I say, all that back catalogs there as well. And obviously. if you haven't subscribed, the Phil Mitchell thing will make sense. <laughs> which you, you probably just think, why are they banging this fucking drum on Phil Mitchell? It's just like, well, <laughs> subscribe to the Patreon. It'll make sense. There you go. As will the pre-pro shows. Because that will be something that haunts you. Yeah. <laughs> As will the pre-pro shows, which you can get live in video. Um, every episode of Spotlight and we've started yes. doing the uh, the weekend previews live on video as well for the majority mm. of their shows so check those out but yeah let's uh, move on to uh, what we are, are going to talk about today and yeah before we get into uh, the major wrestling shows uh, probably keep this brief enough but it's been a uh, it's been a week of uh, some interesting uh, wrestling documentaries uh, across the uh, the airwaves and with different degrees of of WWE involvement so there's a Pillman document the first half of the uh, Pillman Dark Side of the Ring came out macho man randy savage followed the uh, the roddy piper the uh, a and e documentary and there was even a a, a sean and diesel uh, documentary on wwe network to boot this week um it's a bit documentary season but some varying degrees of uh interest and stuff there have you guys seen the uh the first half of the uh, the pillman one yet have you seen uh seen that full that yes. full hour yeah, I think it did a good job overall. I think it was a again. It's a he's a fascinating man. I don't. I'm glad that's a two parter. I don't. I don't know how mm. you would fit his career into uh into into just the 45 minutes or whatever it is. But yeah, I really enjoyed that and I had some uh, felt like it had some clear heroes and villains coming out of the uh, the first <laughs> half of it. Even shockingly show to be honest. Yeah, it's inc- it's incredible. I don't know if you've ever read the book um, Crazy Like a Fox, the mm. Liam Rook book. I haven't. It's amazing. No. Martin it's, always it, talks it's, about it, it's brilliant, and it's but it's um, it's absolutely crazy. I mean, because I think for a lot of people, like they'd be aware of like the loose cannon stuff, which really by the end of this episode, we're kind of it, it gets to the point of his of his car crash as much, and then 
but from there, it's mm. or is it the first car crash he has? Because there's another one as well, isn't there? I think. Mm. Yeah, it's the first one. The yeah. first one. Um, uh, it gets to that point, but there's a lot of stuff in terms of his family life, in particular, that is, you know, it gets very, very dark, especially involving his first wife and his second wife as well, who is a character, I think, to to say the least. Um, this one has like they've given it the requisite amount of depth and time. Mm. They've also got people like Steve Austin involved. It feels like the guest lists have gotten better because either you've got the completely relevant people from the story. So you have, I'm forgetting the name of his, um, his ex-wife. Is it, uh, no, Rochelle Melanie. was his first wife. Melanie Pilburn. Melanie, Melanie the- Pilburn. Mm. That's it. Um, we- and you've got her, but then you've got mm. the kids as well. Yeah, Whilst Melter. at the same time, you've got Steve Austin. And Meltzer. Mm. He was um, missing from last season, and, wasn't he, Meltzer? Or at least he wasn't heavily in yeah. it. Mm. We saw his office again. <laughs> Always a good which sign. Which he, need, he needs to clean up. He no. needs to clean up and digitalize it. He knows it. where everything it's- is, JP. That's it. That's, what it. that's the excuse I used to tell my mum when I was like 13, 14. But I know where, once you're tidy everything, I'm not going to know where things are, you know? He needs to, he needs to like, in the middle of a podcast with Alvarez, go, oh, what, what was my, where's my raw report? Ruffles papers, picks it up from the bottom. You know, he knows where right. it all is, JP. Is that where he's writing his Young Rock reviews? I think it is. Which are an experience to listen to. That's his file. Someone delivered the plot of a sitcom in deadpan straight <laughs> Like his BTE reviews in The Observer. They're fucking yeah. rough. <laughs> it's just... And he just... Yeah, anyway. Mm. But... Um, uh, but yeah, he's he's in there. So if, and Kim Woods as well. So he feels like you're speaking to all of the, the relevant figures. I mean, they've settled into the kind of format. And I think they've gotten better at filtering some of the bullshit out or maybe that's the impression i get with this mm. um that it is slightly better i mean because when bischoff feels like he's bullshitting and god bless him he's a wonderful liar like eric bischoff <laughs> Did he you see really is. turn up on his motorbike slow motion what a fucking yeah. scene that was. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i was thinking gareth will love this <laughs> yeah, yeah i was loving it <laughs> friend on, of grapple eric bischoff <laughs> Yeah. Oh, and he does his smarter camera as he's going no me and Brian Pillman planned this out I said go to WWE <laughs> during the middle of a Monday Night War when you were signing up everyone you signed up the Iron Sheik for fuck's sakes and mm. never used him on like a quarter of a million a year um, so I'm assuming you can just get wildly high and drunk and rant at people but it's like, it's like yeah, on the um... Brian Pillman on the other hand who's hot nah fuck it <laughs> on the uh, the savage stuff I don't think Bischoff himself seen it unless I'm remembering wrong but his wife is and it's like yeah we were yeah. we were really good friends with her uh, with Liz and uh, uh, and Savage yeah, we were right. really good friends and I was like yep <laughs> keys in a bowl <laughs> he's lived a life as uh, a <laughs> <laughs> Big smiles on their faces and unrelated. I, I don't think um, that was even a secret, though. Wasn't there a nitro where he was literally necking Miss Elizabeth? Like, yeah, he's uh, <laughs> he's lived a life as a as Bish. Sorry, I'll, I'll talk about the Savage one in a bit. <laughs> there was no way he was. There was no way he was leaving that though to like make it look like on the documentary that he got worked. Was oh. it like he was totally coming back like the the other way, trying to like put up the uh, defense mechanism there that it was it was it was all part of it and it was uh, it was yeah a big plan together and I was totally in on it. No way was I worked there and like I, I was laughing my head off at that. But as good as that guy was, that the Kim Wood guy who was, was, was he, he like his trainer, the football like coach, he was fucking yeah, brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, it, it, it was superb, but it, it was literally taking credit for absolutely everything that Brian 
Graham Pillman did. <laughs> I, I was thinking, okay, so like Brian Pillman was just the puppet, and you you were the invisible hand where you were, Kim Wood. There, <laughs> Go talk to Melter. Just, Go work this just, off. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it literally. Uh, no, no one had a better hand on the business than this uh, this Kim Wood character. And why isn't he involved in the business now? Because clearly, uh, clearly, he was the best fucking um, best booker yeah. out there. Like, yeah. get, get him in. I don't know. His sure ideas are too good. It. Yeah, that's he, a the, 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 Yeah, <laughs> he'd win. He'd win wrestling, and then that's the end of it. That, that's Kim Wood's aim. Uh, I thought it was hilarious though. It was like, yeah, what's your, what's your real opinion of Vince McMahon? And you, what did they call him? Like a sucker or a mark or a bitch or something? It was strong, whatever it was. He was it was probably all three, to be honest. Like he was like, yeah, yeah. What kind of idiot do you have to be to uh, to run these wrestling companies? He was for someone I'd never heard of before. I thought he was like the, yeah. the shining star of this documentary. Oh, he was. He was. He was a character. I think the other thing, obviously, though, was like was the whole Melanie Pillman thing. I literally don't think I've seen her since they forced her to do that interview on mm. Raw after he died. Like, I think that was the last time I saw her. And like, well. when, it, like fla- when it flashed up who it was, I was like, there's no way that's the same person. Like, I was, mm. I was having to just, like, immediately do, like, a big Google search mm. just to, like, piece it together. But, yeah, fucking hell, she's a... Uh, She's an advert for drugs, isn't she? Oh, fucking Christ. Rough ride, isn't <laughs> She's it? lived a life. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> she comes to, She literally says herself, though. She's like, yeah, yeah. Basically, it's it's my fault that, like, Billman's yeah. ex-wife killed herself and I was a piece of shit and all the kids hate me and, yep, yeah, I'm awful. And it was like, it was coming out of her mouth. It was, it's a rough watch. It's interesting to see where it goes in the second half with this because I know obviously at times in normal documentary format you wonder if they go towards some sort of reconciliation. Hmm. You just can't see you can't see a situation from this about where you go where you go from there hmm. because it's the story of um, Brian Pillman's first wife, like um, Rochelle, is is awful. What ends up happening to her and how she ends up losing the kids and they're not allowed to visit them. And it's it just she's like Job. She just bad shit happens to her on a constant basis. And like up to that point, they'd done this this kind of job of him being the the kind of perfect dad thing, which mm. is um kind of what the Roddy Piper documentary does a lot of of that as well, where they're just like kind of completely devoted family men. Mm. But I thought it was for this, like they I thought it was I hate to say this, from a documentary perspective with all the stuff of Melanie Pillman in there, I think it makes it a much better documentary. Mm. Like, I actually think that it, it adds something else to it that's kind of non-wrestling, mm. that um, that kind of takes this on board, where you've just got kind of got this, her and Brian Pillman in this relationship, and we're probably going to end up watching it spiral a lot more, more out of control. But um, yeah, they've got this down to a fine art, those guys they've, def- they've improved haven't they because i think yeah. when we've like watched them in the past and we've talked about them in a lot of instances some of them just felt like bubble gum and just felt a bit like it was stuff that you just you knew and it didn't necessarily get to any depth or it was presented in a way where you thought do you bullshit. even know yeah do you even know the full story here and you've been taken on a bit of a ride whereas i think maybe i think in over the course of the series the ones where they maybe have done the two-parters and they have been able to devote a bit more time to it and speak to a few more people probably the ones where they throw a bit more budget at and things like that have been the ones that are, that have been the uh i've been the better ones and yeah just when this one finished you're just like you know couldn't wait for uh couldn't wait for part two because it's such a compelling story of you know 
obviously the whole situation that happened but then the whole like what might have been with him as well and mm. you know with him dying when he did and where he was in the industry at the time and things mm. like that so it's a, oh, yeah. you know even after all these years it's a it's a fascinating watch he, he does like he comes across, he jumps off the page doesn't he like you what you see that ECW I was only recently actually about a month, month or two ago I was watching some of that old ECW stuff and like he, like if you if you had to like if you put him against ringmaster Steve Austin in 1996 you know I was slagging off Vince McMahon the other day but even I would have went you know what I think Pillman's the guy I think that's the guy who's going to be the big the big star in wrestling because that ECW stuff like I know it's we've all seen it a million times but the whole like you know he gets in the ring and goes and uh, you know off, um, threatens to take a piss in the ring and then there's the stuff with him like fighting the fans mm. i watched this great angle as well where he's like he's bigging up how much he wants to fight taz and he's about to get in the ring and taz like taz plexus made as somebody and you just see him shit himself turn around and run off i think it's jericho actually i'm pretty sure involved in that angle and he is it's that angle where he sprints around the ring and dives into like a bodyguard's arms who's waiting in the crowd for him like loads of like dead creative things like that he was so fucking just so charismatic and so cool and like not not all of this was like over my head at the time as well because like you know 1996 or mm. so i was 12 and just watching wwf on face value so when he when he eventually came in and he did that that whole press conference thing and there was the whole the gun angle with Steve Austin I didn't really understand what the fuck was going on um, and maybe didn't appreciate it you know much uh, at the time for you know what it was offering whereas I'm guessing you guys were like you know reading the sheets and stuff maybe not the sheets but you know aware of uh, of what was going on and aware of the fact that he left WCW and all of that stuff like was it mm. was it like as, as big a subject of real time as it seems yeah, I, th- I think so. And if I wasn't reading the sheets, Finn Martin wasn't putting them in Superstars of Wrestling or Power Slam. So you were reading it. Uh, you were reading it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Reading it second hand there. But yeah, it, it, it was one of those things that, at that time as the, as it was evolving, and probably as I was getting into like late teens there, and you're just getting over that like cartoonish stuff of WWF, mm-hmm. like '94, you know, and, and things are starting to evolve in this way. It just felt absolutely wild, and, and especially for someone like me who'd been watching Flying Brian for so many years as well. Like it just seemed like such a departure of character, and he just suddenly was displaying this side of him that you just never knew he had in him. Because even when he turned heel with the Hollywood Blondes, and he was, you know, he was good at being mm. a heel, you didn't get this side of him to the, you know, to, mm. to, to that degree. And it was a real, you know, it was a real sort of shock to the system. And um, again, again, it was just one of those things where it felt like things were opening up and you were seeing things different than you'd ever seen before. And it was one of those things that kind of helped hook you in and keep you with wrestling probably at that age when I'm, you know, entering my late teens when you've got other distractions at that age. And yeah, probably um, Henry Godwin and the likes probably would have uh, would have turned me off. Suddenly this uh, shift to... You know the loose cannon and stuff like that is uh, enough to keep you keep you involved. Mm. Yeah, I completely completely agree with that as well. So I also think this run doubled up with the time where WCW wasn't on in the UK at times when he did the Booker Man stuff. Like I think that's the stuff we kind of saw after that. We saw the Hollywood Blondes, but is it '94 where it goes off? So there's like this kind of small period of time um, it, 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 where we weren't. Um, like we we wouldn't have seen as much of it, but it was just so different from everything else. And he felt like that departure from Flying Brian and just him growing stubble seemed to entirely change who mm. he was. If you go back to like 
you know, him versus Liger at Super Brawl and stuff like that. It's an entirely different person. Um, and it felt edgier and it felt like you could relate to it a lot more. And like you'd read about the ECW stuff in particular. And it and it was it was exciting. And it, it was something where you, I had to re entirely reevaluate, probably one of those first times in when you're watching wrestling as a fan, where you entirely reevaluate this wrestler who you just thought you knew what they were like, and you just thought, well, this is flying Brian. It's he does his kind of junior cruiserweight stuff, and that's what he does. And he did yellow dog and things like that. And then you see this, and it's entirely different, and you're aware of what what booking is. Mm. Um and it's and it's incredibly important and it kind of foreshadows everything to do with the um uh, that happens later on with um the change that McMahon announces on TV when he talks about that good guys versus bad guy, you know, that that that's speech. Poor, it, it? it really is. Like I think that's gonna be interesting in the second part when they get into all that stuff and they get into the gold dust Marlena angle, you know, all the stuff with the Heart Foundation and the and yeah, the uh, the, the gun angle, um, gun. all of that stuff on the table. I think it's gonna be a, definitely, definitely gonna be in a an interesting part too. And uh, so we'll get to talk about them a, a little bit more uh, there as well. But yeah, that that was on. Did you did you see the um Speaking of that time period, did you watch the the Sean Diesel one as well? Did you JP? You watched the uh, the I did. With attitudes, not quite the same standard, I would say, but you know, good fluff piece. I yeah, I had a good time watching that one too. I enjoyed watching every time Kevin Nash appears on mm. screen to talk about that run at that point in time. Mm. I find hilarious him talking about his WCW run mm. and like all the stuff that he was him going to Dusty Roads. The story about like. Isn't Oz a geographical place, not a person? <laughs> and stuff like this, like raising the master blaster stuff, like yeah. you, you know. And and I always think of that um, the 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 prime Diesel moment. Certainly, the is him at the Rumble mm. when he did that, and how that kind of worked. How big he was. Mm. That's the other thing. He sounds like Vince McMahon. <laughs> He, it's true which is exactly what he said yeah. he was like well no shit I'm assuming that's why you signed him Vince like, you know. yeah so I look at Brock Lesnar every once in a while and go he's massive and you go yes like, we've established that I love that story though because like Sean clearly saw him on like WCW TV as he says in the documentary recommends him to Vince Nash being Nash goes to the WCW office and is like listen lads this wrestling stuff's not really working out I'm going to go back to uh, to being a bouncer um, can I get my release <laughs> and they give him speaking of like Bishop being an idiot yeah. they give him his release and literally like yeah, turn, turns up on Raw like the week after or, or whatever but apparently yeah he went around to, um, to if anyone hasn't seen it when down to Vince's pool. I had a great chat with him and Bruce Pritchard. Charmed the pants off them because, of course, he did. It's uh, it's Kevin Nash in the nineties. That's how he got in the business. He was saying that was it Luger or somebody like that who spotted him in a uh, in a nightclub working as a bouncer. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Barry uh, Windham. Barry Windham. It was. It was Barry Windham who spotted yeah. him. And, you know, he's a big man who's got that much charisma going for him. So there was no there was no like doubt that it, at some point Vince was going to love him. Um, but yeah, sticking him with Sean, it was. Was a masterstroke though. It was great. I love them as a little combo. Tried to a lot of people have tried to duplicate that combo in the years since, and it's never worked. Mm. Yeah, he's and it's the thing about Michaels, like saying that, like as much as he had to teach Nash about like stuff literally in the ring, mm. Nash was teaching him about things like how to talk to women, 
for example, mm-hmm. like you know, and him yeah. and him talking about that as well. Which I don't believe I Sean laughing. didn't know that. I, I mean, no, <laughs> it is. It gets on dodgy around that documentary. He's like, yeah, I was around with Marty for a while, and he taught me some things. But uh, it was Nash that gave me the <laughs> like, fucking. I don't want to know the things that Marty. How, d- how to dispose of a corpse? Probably fucking <laughs> top of that list as well. <laughs> that's it? probably your only top five at that, JP. That's the that's the issue. <laughs> <laughs> I think Nash humanised him a bit. Got a lot of acid in your boot there. Shut up, mate. I'm getting rid of some shit later. <laughs> but I, I, I really liked it as a documentary. Like just again, a fluff piece documentary. Nowhere near in the yeah. level of Dark Side or even the A and E stuff just... that we'll mention in a minute. But like, as someone who that was my period as a fan, you know, when I was like between like ten and twelve, and massively, massively into it. I love them too as a con. But I didn't know that there was another dudes with attitudes in WCW. Like anytime uh, speaking of Finn Martin, mm. and every time he mentioned the dudes with attitudes, I'd. He'd always like it'd always be like his one line to slag something off. Well, it's not as bad as the dudes with attitudes. And I'd be like, What's his problem with Shawn Michaels and Diesel? Why does he keep saying that? <laughs> <laughs> but they were my dudes with attitudes. But uh, <laughs> yeah, like that the whole the whole like, you know, Sid turn on Sean angle, um, and like them re- re- yeah. re- reuniting his best friends and stuff and being like the, the two baby faces taking over the company. All that stuff was good. But as a documentary, I did feel like it ran out a bit of steam. I don't know if you felt the same way, JP. It was like 40 oh, minutes yeah. of great stuff. And then they really dwell on them winning the tag belts, which I think they only held for like 24 hours. And then it's like fast forward to Madison Square Garden, Curtain Call. But they skip over like the whole... Because to me, like this, like my favorite like memory, if you do a documentary about them too, it's that match they had, um, Good Friends, Better Enemies, the, uh, the month after WrestleMania 12. Like and that was I, think, remember that. I think that was Diesel's last match in the WWF, like at least on TV, um, goes. Mm. But yeah, they skipped over that entire thing, um, and like that's the only reason the curtain call makes sense because the documentary's been portraying them as both as baby faces. So like, the curtain call was only bad because Diesel was a heel at that point, and they don't really explain any of that. They don't go through like the the tweener Diesel character, which is one of my that that you talk about forerunners to the attitude there. I think that was like he was doing in a way doing Steve Austin before Steve Austin, uh, old Kevin Nashville was with the whole like you're you're only one of my real fans if you buy the black glove, black glove, and he'd only high five fans <laughs> who'd paid the twenty nine ninety nine and bought some black gloves. Hell of a worker, Kevin Nash as a oh, as Shauna said, one of the greatest of all time. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that whole period being missing, you know, in lieu of doing more mm. fucking curtain call shit, um, I, that was the only that was the weakness of it really for me. Kind of like from like yeah. a great star, kind of just stumbled to an end really. Like they were just wrapping up because they were short on time. Yeah, they, they, I I would agree with that. It did feel like they were kind of padding it out a lot more. I mean, this is really half an hour condensed. It's a very mm. kind of small snippet in time, and you're leaving out things like the King of the Ring match against Mabel. But then they didn't want to talk about anything negatives or about like the bad business they were doing at that point in time. Mm-hmm. You know, any of that stuff they don't really go into kind of any detail on. But it's um but yeah, it, it feels like there's a lot of like there, there's a lot of making out that, that period of time was a lot better than what it was. Mm. And that the effect of them having all the gold is and I'm there sat there going, I've no recollection of this. I can't remember them holding all, all the because I think at that point in time WWF just seemed very lackluster. Mm. And that's one of the things that's what's happening at that point in time. But they don't want to talk about that, which is kind of more interesting documentary about how these guys actually were mega stars by the end and big mm. draws in their own right. But at that point in time it didn't click. Mm. Even though pardon the pun even though that the, they were together as well there. So, I mean, it's it's a, 
I mean, what I love about Kevin Nash most of all is he doesn't do regrets. Does oh, he? he said that, didn't he? Yeah. He, <laughs> he looks back at every moment in time. So, like, even when he's talking, yeah, I was, you know, just finished playing basketball and they asked me to kind of run this bar, run, run this. Uh, and I think he goes, I don't know if you've ever worked in that entertainment, but it's fun to look about. Um, and he just sort of goes <laughs> on like that. And he just thinks, fuck, you know. Best lines where he's like, Sean wants to be the best. I wanted to be rich. <laughs> that's like that's why that's why Kevin Nash is one of the greatest of all time because he was never in let it be under. Yeah, <laughs> you're under no illusions what yeah. his motivations are in mm. this, and he doesn't try and hide it, and he doesn't try and bullshit it either. He mm. just sort of says it as it is, which is why I think we're always in kind of admiration because a lot of wrestlers are only in it for the money, but then they always want to play the "oh, we love the fan stuff." Not Kev. No, he he really isn't, and you know. Pre-COVID, one of the things I was most looking forward to was him coming over and doing a live tour because it was like, I'm willing to pay big money for it. And yes, I am a Mark and I'm happily a Kevin Nash Mark for stuff like that. He came over and did one PW once. I can't believe I didn't go. He's in Doncaster and we didn't go, mate. We missed our chance. Oh, I bet he got out of Doncaster as quickly as he could afterwards. <laughs> Sorry. Bet he got paid though on the way, mate. And that's the, that's oh, the important absolutely. He's going to get fucking paid. And he gets flown over first class because so he'll claim his height. He's a man's a genius. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, on, on the documentary, yeah, as Simon said, there, David Shoemaker on it was terrible as a pundit. Rosenberg's always awful. Um, and yeah, the, I, I just felt like as a hardcore fan of the time, they missed a few beats. Like there was a couple of weeks on Raw and Nitro, don't you remember, where like Nash literally goes up to the camera and shouts, What's up, HBK? and like HBK returns yeah. the favour on Roar a couple of weeks later how would you do a documentary about those two and not include those little scenes that's where uh, you need some proper um, fans in the room to, to tell you what footage to use but all in all was, a was, the, was, was, was there much stuff on there that was like new that you'd like never seen before or that was yeah. different or was it all this kind of like cliched footage that you've seen repackaged in, in different ways they spend a lot of time, don't they, JP, on like the the early years, to be honest, which made it, does mm. actually make it worthwhile. I would say, like a lot of um, like there's footage still watched denim. Yeah, yeah, and there's like a <laughs> like Nash playing basketball and stuff. Yeah, and there's a lot of footage of like the WCW stuff, and there's a lot of it. Uh, there's actually backstage, you know, when um, Diesel wins the uh, the title against Bob Backlund. They've got like oh, a camera yeah, following around good. backstage as like different wrestlers congratulate them and stuff. And that's only like 10 seconds of it. So it might not be worth your time just for that. But I thought that, you know, that having that was interesting and having a bit more of a gaze at like 93, 94, 95, then maybe the, the worn out years are probably like the more, the more, the more interesting side of it. But it is a fluff piece it, all in all. It is. It's, mm. it's now interesting though. They don't even try and hide the fact that Shawn Michaels was a prick at that mm. point in time. It's very much just like, how about the rumours about you being difficult to deal with? And, and Michael's is just like, look, I think at this stage, we're well beyond calling them rumours. Right. <laughs> he can happily admit that at the start. I came up with a little bit least... more respect for him there, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, like, he, just an arsehole of the fucking, you know, a talented arsehole, mm. but an arsehole nonetheless. Mm. I was going to say quickly while we while we were watching that, uh, I've got you were watching the uh, the the Piper documentary, weren't you? Uh, on uh, on A and E, Gareth was yes. the uh, two hours of Piper being a prick. Is that the is that the outcome of it? <laughs> I got yeah, pretty, pretty pretty much. It was just uh, it was just one of these um, documentaries where you're just hearing things being said that have just become fact because they've been said so many times that you know that people now just believe them to be the truth. And it was just yeah, it was it was. One of them where the completest of me having start watched the Austin one last week was like, right, 
I'm going to watch all of these documentaries now. You know, you've said before, I've never been the biggest Piper fan in the world, but thought I'll, uh, I'll watch it anyway. But yeah, there was nothing startling or groundbreaking there. Just a lot of fucking bullshit and just a lot mm-hmm. of um, embellished stories and, um, and, and, and things like that. Like JP referenced there, what a good family man he was and everything like that. And, you know, just erring on that so much, having his kids on there and his family, even Bret Hart on there saying, um, yeah, yeah, he was, a, he was like me. He was a, he was a real family man. I was thinking, have you not even read your own book, Brett? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's uh, like a if dog you... with two dicks when he was out fucking touring. He was a shocking man. But yeah, it was it was one of them where if uh, if that yeah. Diesel Shawn Michaels one sounds just like a bit of um, bit of a fluff, really fluffy, slight entertainment kind of thing. It was good to have on just while I was doing a bit of work in the background, just some you know, just interesting, just seeing different people talk and things like things like that maybe seeing a bit more on the with greg valentine on that dog collar match and greg valentine talking about that that was quite interesting but uh, yeah. yeah so apart from that it was non-essential stuff and fuck oasis <laughs> <laughs> good little inside joke for the uh, the patrons there we may or may not have no sense in the way. final edit but <laughs> Subscribe to the Brit Rest is Dead tier and it'll all make There you go. There you go. Well, uh, while you're watching that, uh, yeah, I, I'm not even going to go into detail on this because you guys need to see it. The Savage A&E docu- uh, documentary. Don't know what mm-hmm. it is, but like they just decided to go in on poor. I say poor Randy deserves it in, in some ways, but like, you know, the Austin one was, it sounds similar to the Piper one in mm. that it was just, you know, a retread of a lot of old stories. A nice watch, but you know, they're not exactly pushing Steve when he starts talking about, oh yeah, I just did a load of, I, I just drank a lot of coffee that day. That's why I was so buzzed to the uh, the rock match, you know, not, not, <laughs> not nothing more sinister going on there was the Steve. No, no, just just that, just a lot of coffee. Um, like they leave all, all you know a lot of stuff on the table with that with that documentary specifically. This savage one, like I know you saw like the first bit of it, Gareth, but like this takes a turn in the second half. Like they do not hold back as far as talking about you know they maybe they hold back a little bit on the on the Liz stuff. It's more alluded to than outright said, but you know. Unfortunately, Clint Hogan's on there, you know, telling his version of uh, whatever yarn he's deciding to tell. And they do a reasonable job of editing him down. There's even a point where he tries to say something like, yeah, Randy, and there was no way Randy and, uh, and Ricky Steamboat were trying to steal a show at WrestleMania 3. And then they cut to Ricky Steamboat on, we were trying to steal a show at WrestleMania 3 from Hulk Hogan. <laughs> 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 so they make clear that Hogan's full of shit. But like, even Hogan tells some, like, you know, some horrid stories about, you know, Savage turning up to, to their house trying to, you know, track down Liz and, um, you know, the whole, all of the sordid details behind, you know, Liz's death as well. They cover all that with, you know, Luger doesn't come off well at all, um, you know, when they tell that story too. But even like down the road of like, we were joking about it in the pre show, like, apparently Savage and, and Gorgeous George were big into ecstasy. <laughs> like, they were going out clubbing and stuff. And like, they show like, there's a famous, um, a promo in ring where where savage and gorgeous george are dressed in all red and they're just talking absolute gibberish and like she's like yep yeah, we were high as fuck we we just took a load of x and went out on tv and it's like what the fuck <laughs> like it's 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 unbelievable i like because she's in it and her sister's in it as well and they're like the stars of it because they're just very open and honest. You know, it doesn't seem like she's had a particularly great life since uh, since this is the female gorgeous George who used to be a savage's valet along with what was it Medusa and uh, it was Molly Holly, wasn't it? She was called Molly Miss Madness um, yep. at the time. And she was Savage's real-life girlfriend at the time and stuff as well. They even have some like interview footage of Savage talking when Liz died and stuff, and that was interesting, but 
you've got to watch it just for them too because like they're literally talking about like apparently savage had like her house bugged with like cameras and videos and all kinds and like the the toilets were wired up and like a 17 year old sister was being monitored and fuck me does he not sound like they try at the end to to pull it all back and go and yeah you know he he died the way he lived you know there's like this really crass talking women well (laughs) this is talking head who's like you know he he died he drove he drove i can't remember the guy's name it's some actor he's like you know he drew he drove into a side of a tree and if you ever thought there'd be you know if macho man got to choose how he died i bet that's how he'd choose it's all a bit like whoa this this (laughs) took a real strange tasteless turn it's it's really for an a and e what you would imagine puff piece um, it is, yeah, quite dark. It's it's almost dark side of the ring esque in the uh, in the second second half of it with uh, with all of that stuff and Savage getting his dad to to fill him with steroids and all kinds of dark stuff that you wouldn't expect in a WWE co promotion feature. It does sound darker than the dark side of the ring they did on this. Mm, yeah, they never mentioned any of that stuff. No, no, it was more or less like that. Seems really crazy. I'm assuming they pulled up the pictures of well, here's Randy near the end looking like Santa. So yeah, he's all well, right. they use that as like a happy ending. You know, he became a real human, and you know Hogan tells that old yarn about oh, you know when I met him at the doctors and we hugged and he said he loved me and and then he died three hours later. <laughs> it's like <laughs> that seems to happen a lot in Hogan's life. I feel like that happened with Warrior yeah, too. Hogan, Hogan <laughs> he does have the pipe one. In the Piper documentary, he does exactly the same. He, does had a, he? he had a voice message from Savage that, for some reason, didn't play on his phone yeah. or something. But after Piper died, it then did play on his phone the morning after, and it was some <sighs> message with Piper talking Must about. Be God. I, was, I was thinking about Hogan. Didn't you? Yeah. Didn't you pull this about the Warrior? Didn't you pull this about Savage as well? Yeah. I get a bit suspicious of old, uh, of old Hulk there, and these uh, these endings, and he's the last man standing. Yeah. Not to, uh, not to make any allegations. There's a pattern there, but yeah, yeah, definitely. But they do the show like Old Man Santa Savage, where it's like, you know, and he, they, they try and scrub TNA from history, JP. You won't like that, where they're like, you know, we just went away quietly. Gingerly knee drop a doom. Yeah, well, you know, they, they're like, yeah, he went and did the Spider Man movie, and then, you know, he just disappeared into the night, and it's like, no, he didn't. He came back and did TNA for one shot. <laughs> was it a knee drop? Was that his entire. Like, I, I, it was I got, a knee drop. And then does he pin. No flying elbow, doesn't leave his feet. <laughs> And then he pins, doesn't he put a foot on Jarrett and pins him that way? I'm sure he doesn't even, does he even so. climb down to do a proper pin. Like, that's the footage yeah. I wanted in this. I'm here for the um, for the Randy Savage and gorgeous George Exorcist stuff there. Like, I'm mm, I'm all yeah. about the shaman shame right. version of Pomp and Circumstance, something like that. That could have been in a totally, uh, <laughs> been in a totally new direction. They look that like they had a like good a, time. There's like this club yeah, footage. career revitalization. <laughs> There's club footage of them out with Marilyn Manson, so you know he's having a 120 BPM. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's worth... sticks in the hacienda. <laughs> they don't really touch on the fact that, like, um, you know, the fact that he was pushed out of wrestling by WWE. They all kind of toe the party line, and they're all like, "Oh yeah, you know, it was uh, time for Savage to be a commentator." To be fair, I think Rosenberg actually is the one who's like, he was fucking terrible as a commentator though. But the rest of them are just like, "Oh yeah, I don't know what Vince was thinking." Nah, it's just a Vincent Man decision. It's like no, you're fucking forty-one. It's like if that you like to have been forty at the time. Like I would have liked to have seen that dug into a bit more. Do they touch on why he didn't like even like get referenced on WWE TV for 
no. years to touch on that at all. No. Not at all. No, but like, the contract stuff. Or? No, they bring up the you know the he did that WWE. What was the the game um, that he was in that he did promotion for? But that was through um, THQ, wasn't it? Rather than rather than WWE themselves. But they don't really talk about the fact that yeah, that was his first appearance on like WWE in years. Like to be honest, like that. WWE documentary they did about him in like the late 2000s does a better job of because that even alludes to the Steph stuff that literally like it's like oh mm. there's rumors about you know Savage and and Stephanie do you know anything and it's got all these talking heads going oh, I've heard the stories <laughs> and no one actually you know saying yes or no it doesn't even go that far this one so yeah that's a that's quite a big gaping hole I was considering they go in on like some of his personal issues and even down to him like when he was at the house he'd lock miss elizabeth in, in the house with like a ready meal for every day and she wasn't allowed to leave like horrible stories like that um they're all included but you're right anything that would make wwe look particularly bad mm, kind of left on the side aside from vince mcmahon at one point saying that it's similar to the steve austin story first impressions of randy savage ah he's a bit small that's what he thought he's a bit small like it's honest to god like as a kid did, did any of us even notice that savage was smaller than hogan like no. to me like i don't think it ever occurred to me as an issue like he was randy savage like why would you why would you care that might explain why he puts uh so much weight in a uh, in steroid muscle on um that's the only bit where i think where the alarm which hardly helped his brain out either did it mm, mm, there is that yeah yeah um yeah so but honestly so if i've given too much away there sorry um but you should watch it basically <laughs> anyone who hasn't seen it you should watch it it's well worth it's well worth your uh, your two hours there, that one. Well, at least he found peace at Creamfields. So, <laughs> <laughs> he was at that rain yeah, in Liverpool last weekend, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm screwed. I'm thinking about them times in um, when I was in Cream in Liverpool and I'd like suddenly like look to my left and I'd be having like a piss next to Phil Bam or something like that. It could, it could have been Randy Savage. <laughs> Did that happen? Was Phil Bam there? <laughs> Oh, yeah, they were all they were always there. They were fucking constantly there. That's why the, that's why that team did fuck all. Like they were just <laughs> Is that why he went to shit after the ninety four World Cup, did Phil? Did I think so. I think so. Once he uh, once he got him selling cream with them lad, I think that was it. Game over for Phil. He, he looked fucking wasted all the time. But uh oh yeah, they were all, all that lot, the spice boys, they were just constantly in there. Every time I was in there, you'd see about three or four of them. Where they were in their cream coloured suits with red ties. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> that I would enjoy. Uh, there you go. Party animal, Randy Savage. That's the uh, that's the sub documentary we all we all want to yeah. see. But yeah, except if you haven't seen them, we'll maybe talk about that a little bit more next week when we talk about uh, the Pillman documentary part two. But yeah, we've uh, danced around there enough. We should get into the uh, some of the in ring action from this last week. And yeah, we're a Tuesday night uh, podcast this week. One because there was a bank holiday yesterday, but two because believe it or not, there's been two allegedly big New Japan shows these last two days and I think it's fair to say lads mm. we saw the uh, the good, the bad and the ugly <laughs> New Japan over there, even cherry picking uh, these two shows I think I saw one of the uh, the worst New Japan matches I've seen in a, in a good while and uh, yeah one of the uh, the best New Japan matches I've seen in a good while should we start positive, do you want to start with the best do you want to go with that yeah. Which one? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, let's start with uh, with Tamatanga. Normally, I don't uh, like ladder matches, but first, <laughs> <laughs> mate, when you throw some iron fingers in it, uh, it gets everyone going. Uh, now let's start with uh, with Osprey uh, Shingo. It is 
tracking right now, Gareth, for like a potential grapple match of the the year rating. Uh, I was quite shocked when I opened the app and saw like how how well it was uh, doing this morning before I'd seen the match. It was like trending at like four point seven five or something. How's it doing now? Even better than that, it's uh, it, it's it's gone up in up in ranking there as more people have uh, have rated it. It's like up at four point eight one at the minute, so it's like clear the match of the year candidate so far. There's the next one behind. It's um, four point six one the um, Shingo um, Tanahashi match from from earlier this year. So yeah, it's 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 clear out there on on, on top because it was one of them where having had the uh, results spoiled and match time spoiled um, Thank you, this morning. Killing. Um, for me as well in our group chat I haven't mentioned that in the group chat yet but thank you Will woke up to that message (laughs) I would have found out anyway at some point in the day but I know you're better at hiding Gareth I was more gutted for you I was was going to say I'm I'm normally you know what I'm like with spoilers I'm normally very good at like hiding away from it so that one was a that one's a bit of a blow but seeing seeing that and seeing the match time made me think oh this is going to be a chore to to watch this and I didn't actually like look at what it was doing on the app until a bit later on and then when I saw the rating that it had on the app I was like oh fuck I can't wait to watch this now and like God, did it, um, it? It certainly delivered. Delivered for me, anyway. Especially where we've had this um, New Japan uh, malaise of of late. And uh, <laughs> Will's apologising. Will's apologising in the chat, and <laughs> rightly so. Will, how dare you? Um, but, um, but yeah, yeah. Fucking, this just felt like back to back to the best because obviously this was. I think when we talked about them having a match uh, not so long ago, it was was probably a bit of a disappointment because. Um, you know, this stands out in my head has been the the match of the year on Grapple the year before last with the best of the juniors final, and this was right up there. And you know, for for it to be over forty minutes match for me, it was just an absolute breeze. It just uh, I'd, if I, if I didn't know it was forty odd minutes, I'd have never guessed it was forty odd minutes because it just uh, it just flew by. I was so engaged in it. Yeah, completely go along with you for that. This is possibly the best paced forty minute match that you'll see. Um, it's and I agree with you. I had it sport in exactly the same way. By the time I've done the update, <laughs> we're all going at will tonight. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they but they changed the card around, didn't they? Because there, mm. there was the COVID thing. So by the time I'd recorded at about half past six oh, this right, morning, yeah, I, I hadn't looked at anything else, and then it was like, all oh, right, they've had to change it because of these. Mm. Um, I thought then, given that set of circumstances, like the fact that this had to go long because it was like a one match show entirely this one um it also needed to deliver and it did those things and it did it in a way of avoiding a lot of those new japan main event tropes i thought so you have one kind of protracted kick out sequence kind of in the middle of the match but you don't have that towards the end it's much more kind of attritional which makes it work and it you didn't have any silly bullshit from like the kind of outside, you have a couple of kind of really big spots, and I think the um, made in Japan he does to Osprey through the table just like made me kind of completely sit up and gasp. Um, it, it, I thought this was absolutely brilliant, and I've not been invested as Osprey as champion at all in this, and it's kind of coincided with where most cards and a lot of the booking has been terrible, but this worked and i think it works as much really that you've got shingo grounding this and grounding this down and i was watching this thinking like these two kind of this is this is the kind of rivalry that an osprey needs in new japan 
pretty much is is really this guy and I'd like to see this again as the final of the G1 and you know do you do that and you have Shingo win go through and challenge for it because I also got the impression based on this crowd they view Shingo at that level like already like you know fuck Sonada and Evil and all of the other people where you kind of think they're going to get this kind of push towards it Shingo is someone who just he has it and he delivers and even like I mean how many bad matches does he have and how many matches does he carry carry people through to um here but there was nothing kind of silly I thought with this I was waiting for kind of silly Will Ospreay facials or stuff that was kind of him doing overly spectacular stuff and you'd be thinking well that's not really him working as a heel and I didn't really see too much of that stuff to be honest with you and I thought they paced out their big spots even better I'll admit I wasn't quite as I I didn't go five I I would have to go back and re-watch it but I went an immediate 4.75 when I watched it and not once did I feel bored throughout this and yeah absolutely loved it what did you give a go yeah i mean yeah i went full five and um i stand by that like uh you know at the end of that i i really i just thought like it blew me away i i I loved it i really really loved it and it just made me want to go away and watch the uh super juniors final again Mm. just to compare them in my mind almost and because of knowing how good that particular match was but I just love the structure. I, I absolutely, it almost felt like just as I was watching it, there was like, it was almost like there was like five acts to it or something like that, where mm. at the start you had that initial part where it was like very even exchanges. They were countering each other. They were evading each other. And it was almost like setting this scene of the two of them just being, been quite equal in a lot of ways. And even like when it went to the, the outside, um, you know, one of them was on top on the outside, then they came back to the ring and then it went back to the outside and then the other one was back on, on top as well. So it just kind of started off with giving you that very even even feel for things. And then and then it, then it like evolved into that second part where Osprey started to work the the arm. And I thought that was that was done really, really well. Mm-hmm. I thought um I thought the way that Osprey varied the way that he was going at it with because he sort of had that initial arm bar and then there was like the arm crank that that he did which you know created the the injury part of it but then it was just followed up with you know smashing it into the ropes you know kicks arms elbows and things like that putting on more arm bars um, putting on different holds and things and then Shingo was you know selling that great as uh, as well with that arm and then that meant that he had to evolve his offense so he started using a lot more power moves and then so actually despite Osprey putting this time into the arm you know Shingo was still you know getting on top with there like you know in the Noshigami in the dead deadlift wheelbarrow suplex um you know he, he did that where he, he sort of caught Osprey's leg and he sort of threw him in that somersault and landed on the mat which then despite all Osprey's efforts Shingo had got on got on top there it then involved where Osprey immediately after that started to like really you know pick up the pace as it was almost like a like a third act almost that Osprey started to pull out the Osprey special stuff you know pulling out the you know the cheeky Nando's you know pulling out of the the sort of like a lot more fast high flying stuff off the off off the ropes there and that's when he like really started to dominate until it got to that point there where he went to you know he had Shingo on the table went to go off the top 
you know, Shingo obviously got off the table and then ultimately ended up with him getting that made in Japan through the table. So it was like, in order to counter Shingo's power, Osprey had gone back to all that high, fast-paced offense to get on top, but then just going for that one thing too, too many mm. ended up that, um, you know, Shingo caught him and basically nearly finished him off really because then you, you entered that next part where Osprey just about got into the ring on like 19 and a half then like Shingo was absolutely on top, you know, with the other made in Japan in the ring. Osprey was, when he was trying to like whip him into the ropes and things, Osprey couldn't even stand anymore and things. He was so, uh, you know, taken out of it by that made in Japan. So it really like leveled things back as, back as well. And then ultimately you got back to the thing there where they were trading finisher, finisher attempts, trading poison runners. And then they were almost left to that last part of the match where it was like, they were both exhausted. They were, you know, both dead on their feet. And then you just get into that final last bit where it's, it's right. Okay. Who's, who, who's got what left sort of thing. And then you just end into this finishing straight and it wasn't a million kickouts and it wasn't, you know, hitting a million different finishes and things like that. It was, it was two men who'd been in a battle, in a varied battle, going, you know, going, you know, toe to toe to 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 try and take that title. Like JP says, no bullshit involved in in and around it. Mm-hmm. Trading strikes each again, showing that level of dominance because they were both, you know, dominant in turn. So it showed that evenness between them. There was both headbutting each other, and you know, ultimately it just came down to you know Osprey being able to land that hidden blade at the end and then get the strong breaker to win it. So you felt like it was like a genuine contest that involved over that 40 minute time period. And because it was had those like varying sort of chapters or acts or whatever it was, it it just pieced together so nicely that it just that you know, like I say, the timing just just flew it flew in and it just left you feeling like Shingo came out of it looking great to me. Osprey's stock shot up a level to me, whereas I haven't been impressed with him at the top end of the card in any way for the last half year or, or, or longer in, in in things that I've that I've seen there. And oh yeah, I was I just left it just thinking. Christ, what a match that was. And I was just like immediately on there for for a full five. It just felt like a work of art to me. It was absolutely great. Well, I gave it four and a half, so I clearly hated it. Um, based on that, <laughs> that discussion. Why did you hate it? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I echo a lot of what you said there. I think the, the, the last part of it the last the last act is what really grabbed me like the like i say the fact that osprey was too tired to to pick shingo up and shingo was too tired to even get himself up it sold the fact that you know they didn't go all guns blazing for 40 minutes with no you know effect you know people talk about you know selling in matches and i even saw some criticism about you know the arm stuff got forgotten halfway through the match it's like it didn't like it everything no, it didn't. you know this was this was a war where you know they were both literally on the last legs you know for the last while and to be honest i think i wish i watched it live i think i made a mistake not watching it live and this isn't will's fault don't worry will i'm not blaming you i wouldn't spoil either way um but i think that that was what made it a four and a half match rather than a than than higher for me four and a half still you know a very very strong rating match of the year candidate for me um but i just didn't really i found it hard to buy into like any of the near falls because i you know it was spoiled, I suppose, and cause I, I maybe part of it because I knew it was going so long, um, and it was only in those maybe those last ten fifteen minutes where I really really lost myself with the match. That's not to say you know the half an hour that came before it wasn't great. Um, just trying to say you know the difference between me giving this four and a half or maybe going slightly higher with a four point seven five or otherwise, but you know, um, 
picking picking at something that was you know near perfection picking at something that was you know again i wish it i wish it was in like a, a full arena with you know with crowd with a crowd you would be able to go crazy for this one because you could feel them you could hear some shouts towards the end it was one of those we always say it don't we it's when a match like that in new, in new japan or elsewhere happens where you know the the fans forget themselves and the claps do start start to cheer into into cheers and screams that's what really you know drew me in a little bit to those those closing stretches at the uh at the end as well but you know it's got to be said what a what a rivalry you know these two have had now you know the the we've been doubtful of the fact that you know shingo would be placed in the in this position and if anything he feels a little bit like he's the other guy in some ways it's a bit like jerry lynn rob van Dam, where like you know jerry lynn is just as responsible as rob van Dam for everything that's great about the matches but jerry lynn never wins and that's the only problem with this feud shingo's never fucking beaten osprey because while they'll give him these spots on these pay-per-views and it, like these main event slots as, as challenger of the month and you know give it, even give him an extended run like he's had this last month or so as being the uh the main foil to osprey are they ever going to take that that next step? That for me is what would like take this into being, you know, one of the the great New Japan rivalries. But it's got to be said, you know, they got a, a match like this happened on a weekend where were any of us desperate to watch any New Japan? Like part of the reason I didn't watch it live was like despite the fact that Shingo was happening, my current fandom of New Japan is at such a low ebb that I wasn't excited to watch them. So you know, if anything, having a match that's getting this many plaudits and is doing that well as a as a grapple average, I think that that tells you. Everything everything doesn't you considering you know the the atmosphere i suppose that the match was taking place within yeah which i make, think that oh, sorry, sorry go on JP. i was going to say which makes me just quickly think that put on great matches at the top of your card <laughs> yeah that's been yeah it, it sounds simple doesn't it um mm. but in some ways that's what you do you have you have great wrestlers go out and put on great wrestling matches mm. which is kind of what they did here mm. in terms of getting two people who are ultimately very high-end performers who get the most out of each other mm. it's something you can always go back to as well mm. sorry my back door is kicking off i don't know if you can hear helicopters and all sorts it's, it's oh there we go very long yeah <laughs> don't know what's happening now sorry <laughs> gareth thoughts <laughs> go on gareth <laughs> oh well i mean one of the things that like stands out to me there is like again as you were talking there about the atmosphere around new japan and people's mm. general you know there's no buzz about it people aren't talking about it on your timelines you know in the past people would have been talking about it during the week so it would have been something that you're like getting excited for and thinking about and obviously you just don't you don't don't see that level of buzz and i think one of the things um I don't know, it reiterated it to me, was was on the first day show, I put it up on the app, like, pretty much immediately. And it had been there for a few hours, and there was, like, literally, like, 14, <laughs> 14 ratings had gone in for it. And I've never, ever seen me put New Japan up that close to the end of a, I know it's not a major, major event, but it's still a, you know, it's it's not a road to show, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, a, it's an event with a name. And... You know, and that's not like a grapple thing of it been people less people using the app or things like that. You know, it's just people are just not watching, people are just not rating New Japan, and that was so slow coming through. And I've never known it as slow. I was actually like panicking, thinking Has something gone wrong with the app. Is the app down or something like that? Is something not working here? And it just wasn't mm. the case. It was just people weren't that asked. And then to be there. honest, the, you, mm. when you look at it and you think like, okay, we're you know we're looking at you know. 
two god singles matches and then you've got you know <laughs> the, the, you know the right. never open weight match as the main why like why why would you be that that excited you know it, it, you know especially on the back of everything that's that, that's come before it you know it certainly wasn't um certainly wasn't something that i was like screaming out to watch and based on watching day one and based on me like a reference there feeling like the last Shingo Osprey match didn't quite live up to expectations. Oh, true. I've got to admit, I was I wasn't I wasn't that excited about day two, to be honest. My expectation was probably, oh God, I'm gonna be let down again by Shingo Osprey in the main here. And pleasantly surprised that that wasn't the case. But it's, it's a sad state of affairs when that's the way that New Japan's got you feeling going into, mm-hmm. you know, you know, the idea that you you're watching Shingo Osprey just in, you know, in the morning, midweek, when you're like sat at home, you're not in work, kind of thing, and you kind of take or leave whether you're going to watch it live. Like, mm. sad state of affairs. It and is. then what the rest of these cards filled up with tag matches. Oh, I didn't watch another the thing from day two. Like, you're no. not getting me watching any of that. As soon as they talk De- El Despi off that show, I was done. I was like, right, main event yeah. done. That's all I need to watch now. Yep. Yeah. And it's almost like they didn't learn. But remember early on when they weren't overloading these sh- shows when mm-hmm. they first started to come back, they weren't overloading it with multi-mans. Mm-hmm. They've just gone down back that route again. Mm-hmm. So it does make those undercards really difficult to watch. When you think you could have a couple of interesting singles matches in there, they don't have to reinvent the wheel, but you could do that. And it doesn't feel like for the kind of big shows, they do that enough. They still have a tendency to put at least three of these multi-man tags and they don't mean anything. They're mm-hmm. just stable warfare. And their stables are so stale to the point of kind of ridiculousness. So, yeah, yeah. Mm. I, like This match kind of exists in a vacuum still. But even the, the match, though, I would have expected more. Like, I, I did see, again, this is anecdotal when people say this. Well, my timeline was quiet. Like, but, you know, like, I follow pretty, you know, a lot of, like, you know, the hardcore wrestling Twitter to borrow a Joe Lanza phrase. Intelligentsia, I suppose, is, <laughs> is the phrase. But, like, I, and maybe it's the lack of gifts because I didn't really see much of that for this because mm. everyone's terrified. New Japan's going to pull, pull her account yeah. down. Maybe that's part of it. But I'll be honest, I, I got up and I was out, I was a, around, I was doing work and I browsed Twitter a couple of times and it didn't even occur to me to, to throw this on. <laughs> yeah, that kind of tells you that, that they probably should be going crazy for a match like that. And it's just, it's not. I don't think it is just grapple. I just think in general, that, mal- that malaise is massive right now isn't it and then again it's hardly surprising when you look at what was you know what was on the <laughs> show on day one. on day on day one because i mean i watched the whole day so i watched all the tags as, as well just because just because it was it was I, mean, it, yeah, I just threw it on and it was just on while i was doing stuff nice. and there was some there was some nice you know there was some nice little bits here and there like mm. the yo despy stuff like yo looked really good and they kept yo really strong and i was thinking like, oh, i'm actually quite you know, I'm interested in that match tomorrow, which ultimately didn't end up happening. Then I wasn't, you know, I wasn't desperately sad to not have to, you know, watch one extra New Japan match. But the, you know, the other stuff was just, it was just there. And then the, you know, Zack Sabre Jr. Tangaloa, that was just a match, you know, a mm. gentleman's three of a match. Uh, mm. Then, you know, you're looking at it and coming to your two big matches. And when you've got fucking... <sighs> Taichi against Tamatonga in a ladder match with... A fucking see-through carrier bag with a bloody 
Kit Kat, Kit Kat wrapper, bloody fist in it, you know, kind of thing. You know. am, am I the only one who sat and performed things out of Kit Kat wrappers and, you know, in your in your youth, made them into, yeah. oh, definitely. made them into, you know, silver teeth or, you know, made them into, you know, glitter things. You know, it's fucking, you know, that's basically what it looks like. It looks like something that someone's made and made in school for the fucking GCSEs or something, doesn't it? But it's, mm. it's like, that is the... That is the thing. That is the motivation for this match. This is this is why I'm watching Tama fucking Tonga in a nice. ladder match. Going. Why does he exist? How long did that match go? What was it? Three hours. It was this. Tw- was it? Was it? Twenty-seven minutes. Was it? Is that right? Like fucking hell. like. <laughs> and, and and I wonder why no one's talking about New Japan on the on the timelines when this is the fucking shite that they're serving up because that was just absolutely ridiculous. And then as I look at my notes here, it's just I, I'm even reading down my notes, getting lost here with the amount of interference and run-ins of basically what felt like everybody who was in the fucking city the, that particular day that the event was taking part in, like who managed to run down and hit somebody with something before getting hit themselves with something. The, the sheer overbookness and the amount of run-ins and weapons and things like that, that was, oh, Jesus Christ, it just uh, was absolutely painful. And then, you know, you got to the end of it and I was just thinking like, please just be the end of this now it felt like it was closure at the end but like come on let's let's put this down to you know put it down to experience it's been a bad mistake it's a little experiment we've run during covid and of trying to book new japan in this particular right way let's let's put that one back in that drawer that we lock and and you know don't open again and let's just get back to a bit of normality because really this was the fucking drizzling shit wasn't it it was awful and you said the experience was over i thought you meant there that just tamatonga in general like I think that sums his entire his entire new, t- ten years we've been dealing with this cunt, ten years like he's he is the most useless individual on this roster and I put that on Twitter today and some people came back with but what about Chase Owens? Fair enough, Chase Owens is even more useful than Tamatonga, but the difference you know apart from all of the other things that make Chase Owens an awful human being between him and Tamatonga is that like Chase Owens is mostly mostly hidden away in multibands. And it's rare that you know they 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 try they really even try try and do anything with him. Tamatonga every now and then this happens every now and then. I mean, God knows how many tag belts the the God have had in general, but you know every now and then they try and give him a, a big singles match, and then you know a lot of the time he's in featured tags because guess what? Him and his fucking dickhead brother cousin whatever brother isn't it are, are the only tag team in New Japan, so they're always they pride of place. Like when we were doing that um when we were doing that uh, AWV. This is a New Japan Supercard uh, booking fest, and we were trying to put together a match for the Young Bucks. We were doing a Supercard of AEW versus New Japan, and we wanted to put the Young Bucks versus a New Japan tag team, and we couldn't think of one because GOT are the only obvious choice, and nobody wants to see that match because it's fucking GOD. And like over the years, you know, there's been some bad gauging, but not like at least bad luck Farley had those matches with Okada and Tanahashi. At least the likes of Mike Elgin got over with the Japanese audience. Like, what is what does Tamatonga offer? He does not even like he's is he bringing in Western fans? No, he isn't, you know. <laughs> like for what you can say about the Young Bucks, and there's people who really hated the Young Bucks when in the New Japan, you can't deny, you know, the business, you know, positive that they, they brought, even in a minor way, uh, as far as bringing Western fans in. What does he offer? It's nothing. He never he never puts effort in. 
Like he barely takes his fucking t-shirt off half the time to to work his matches. He's just a complete waste of space, and he's the type of person who's proud of that too. Like, have you ever listened mm-hmm. listen to his terrible podcast or see his terrible tweets? Which I don't anymore because I'm blocked because of rants like this. But like you, you know, he will be proud of the fact that people are slagging this match off. He'll think this is heat. He'll think this is good. Like he's fucking awful. Like he's just a complete waste of space as far as I'm concerned. Like I, I don't think I can't believe I watched this. I don't think I'll let Gareth you warming you know you said i only need to watch the last few minutes and i just wanted to see it call it an experiment i wanted to see exactly Mm. how bad this was um but i don't know i think i'm done watching tamatonga ever again at this point i was feeling my worst with the jab i think at at this point in time and i was just sort of lay there after having woken up and Mm. just like oh fucking hell let's just get this over and done with Mm. i'll have it on i'll go on my phone while it's on and i'll just like whatever yeah, completely agree with you, lads. I mean, it makes you think about Tamatonga. There was that point in time, I think, when when they were talking that they were going to do something with him. And I'm sure that's about 2015 that I'm talking about there. It, he is, I mean, I, he's unfortunately the 10 years means he's got tenure and tenure gets rewarded in companies like that. So it's a horrible cycle with him that he's not going to be out of the main events because he's been there a long time. And because he's in main events, he's going to be there for a long time and they're not going to get rid of him. And he's kind of happy with that. Mm. And so there's no motivation for them to get better. And it doesn't appear to be that they're going to take tag team wrestling serious anytime soon. So unfortunately, it feels like this is killing time until we get the good brothers in. Mm. And we're going to get G.O.D. Oh, good Brothers back. Oh, 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 no. It can get worse. <laughs> like, you're basically putting all your chips on Finn Juice. Mm. Suddenly, like, just becoming, <laughs> like, the fucking Midnight Express. Yeah. Like, and I like Finn Juice, and I'm willing this as much as I can. But it's such a damning indictment as well. Mm. And here's the crazy thing. How many lads do they just have knocking around there or fucking around in multi-man matches? Mm. And you could say, why don't we actually just put something together? Like with these, we talked Brian Pillman, we talked Steve Austin documentaries, talked the Hollywood Blondes, get a couple of talented wrestlers, put them together, give them like a bit of leeway to see what they can do character-wise and see what fucking happens. What is the worst that can happen at this point? Mm, Because it's such a chore. And you can't even have tag matches with them now. You've got to have two singles matches. That's how fucking desperate they are. It, it's terrible. Is there no tag teams in any other companies in Japan that they think well, we could sign them? Mm-hmm. Like, like you say, though, JP, there's people there that could be pairing together and they could be making them into proper yeah. teams. You know, even just two you know, just, just add two to, you know, Goto is there. Goto could be paired with somebody, could be just like, you know, just a little some, you know, something and make them a, you know, yeah. an actual team who that that's what they do on a regular basis kind of thing. But they they just don't seem to want to do that. It's just, you know, it's, it, it, it's just really odd. And if you think like for as stale and as tired ladder matches have, have become as well, for them to just be like, you know, introduced into 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 this at this at this particular time in this particular way, and like like if you think like a ladder match, you have got like two blokes on a ladder there, and you should be like 
anticipation like who's going to win who's going to be the one who's going to get it what's going to happen on this ladder and like those two are on the ladder and you're just thinking well one of you please just fall off and one of you get the fucking glove because i just want this to be over with and that should not be the feeling that you're left with when you're watching a match that in theory is supposed to be like high impact high danger like high stakes the even reason that you're having a ladder match in the first place is you know normally for something that actually fucking means something to to you know, getting a title or getting a getting a title shot or something like that, that 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 should be important. You know, not this fucking bollocks and some of the ratings that were going in on the app for it were just. Oh, that'd be interesting. You know, there was a there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of half stars and things like that that were getting thrown in there. I think oh, I was. Uh, and- uh, you know, I, I think I, I was too polite. I, I, I went I went two, and then I downgraded it to to one and a half because <laughs> at the end of it, like I, I finished it and I thought. I've got to give it a two because at the end of the day, it's like, you know, it's two, I don't know, it's two wrestlers of that level. And I was thinking, why am I being polite? Mm -hmm. Why am I being polite and giving them that? It's a match that I've sat there and I've actively wanted to be over because (laughs) I'm like really not enjoying it at all. Like that is that is that is less than two. That should be less than two. So I ended up knocking it down to you know one and a half. But it's it's tracking at like two point three two on the app. So it's it's below average for the for the majority of people. There, which, I think that's you know, fair just... to be honest because I would say the thing it's got going for it, and I hate saying this, is the crowd did laugh it up. And I hated it. I hated that that happened because that was going to be my other talking point that that, that the, the fuckers have never got over. It did. They, they, they were they were they were oohing and ahhing for like the the table. But call it maybe the fact that what was this the second ladder match they've ever had in New Japan? Maybe it was that. Mm. But they were going for those little bits of drama and even the finish. You know you, you know they were clapping you know faster and louder because it looked like you know he was about to to grab the iron claw and it was it did it did get over. Which to me, if a match gets over with it all, it's like that old Rock Hogan you know arguments about that match. Like why? Like I I'd say that's potentially a five-star match not because of the work they did because of the job they did with that crowd and that building that that night that's the reason i probably wouldn't go lower than two on it because I, I do think unfortunately <laughs> the people were into it as, as bad a time as we were all having at home but maybe that's me trying to look at it subjectively rather than like you say gareth uh, as you've said being honest with yourself there yeah, I'm not going to give it. A, I'm not going to give it a higher rating because other people liked it in the crowd. <laughs> well, no, but that's the point of a match, isn't it? That's the way they're, they're trying to get a crowd reaction and they're achieving that goal. You know, um, whether I think I went two stars, so I didn't fall asleep. Mm. <laughs> what kind of a fucking match rating is that? <laughs> yeah, we're not talking high either way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what What was the uh, the other uh, the other brothers match like? Tangalo? I didn't even bother watching that one. Nah. It was a match. Mm-hmm. It was just a mm. ten to fifteen minute match, with not a great deal of mm. absolute consequence or relevance. It it was, yeah, three he's worse. Yeah. <laughs> he's worse than Tamatonga. Tamatonga's even at least at times shown like a hint of talent mm. rather than a bullshit. When the other fella hasn't. <laughs> he's just a big bloke in a pair of Nikes. That's what he is. <laughs> I was laughing on your Tamatonga Twitter thing there, Ben. The, like the number of comments that were like, "He's got a good look." He's got, and I was thinking, like, <laughs> does he? Oh, mate. <laughs> Even if Tom McGee had a good look, <laughs> hey, he did <laughs> had a great entrance. You see that cliff going the rounds? Yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah, that was good, wasn't it? <laughs> Tom McGee in all Japan. Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah. Um, when people say that about Bray Wyatt, he's good because he's got a good look. <laughs> that, let's see where that's ta- now. We see where that's taken us. That's so. true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. It is, uh, again, I, I don't hate his brother as much. I just don't find him as annoying as Tamatonga. He's not been around for as long. If anything, it's Tamatonga's fault he's in the fucking company in the first place. Jobs for the boys, isn't it? Um, so I kind of I get madder at, at Tamatonga for Tangaloa's existence oh, than I do Tangaloa himself. Wait till Hikaleo comes in oh, and he sake. becomes a pushed act. For fuck's and sake. they're then tagging with him. They're not going anywhere. Mm. They're nowhere. These boys. <laughs> Even a loan spell to AEW makes you just think, oh, like, oh, I wouldn't want to see him on there because they'd just be stinking up fucking dynamite thinking it's heat, wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah, there's there's no good scenario in all of this unless they just call it quits from wrestling and decide mm. to go. And you go, mm, I'll okay. take it. What do yeah. we think? I don't of, want uh, anything bad to happen to him, but I do. Um, <laughs> saying that, I shouldn't say that. Haku might come after me. No. Um, but <laughs> what did uh, we think of the main event? JY Tanahashi. I couldn't get into it. Too long for me. Um, oh, I couldn't. I, I, it was dull. Um, mainly because of the length. Uh, there were bits in the closing stretches where maybe put maybe pulled me back in, but all mm. in all, dull. And like you know, you were saying before, Gar, I think maybe the, the quality of the wrestlers in the match kind of leaned me towards giving it a three and a half because I didn't feel like I could justify going any lower. But like as far as a match goes, that like I had on and struggled to to keep my focus. This was like that 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 was this really. Um, and yeah, is it doing any better in the app? Yeah, it's it's doing better than that on the on the app. It's averaging out at like three point eight five. Like in the moment, I gave it three point seven five, and it was another one where I went, "Why have I just give that three point seven five and downgraded it to three and a half?" Because I think, like for me, that's where it where mm. it, it 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 sat at. You know, like you say, it was too long. Mm-hmm. There wasn't enough that was coming through that was particularly wow. I felt like it was of like real consequence to to me. I mean, as a as a um, as a, as a pairing, again, I meant to look this up, but I don't know how many times they've, they've been in there together, but it just felt like something that just didn't feel like a pairing that I was that excited to see together either. It feels like they've been together in a, in a lot of different circumstances over the, the last few years. I, could, I could, be, could be wrong, but when something feels that way, then again, it's something that just um, knocks uh, knock things off here. And to me, it was just like they're just the classic old... Work Tanahashi's knee, and um, you know, you know, build a build a, a, a finish, you know, more to, towards it. Ghetto got involved, you know. You're just like, like, great, guy. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. It was fine. It was a it was a match of above average quality, but it certainly wasn't anything that was uh, was pulling any trees down for me. And mm. it just kind of just stood out for me as just being a bit more indicative of, I don't know where. I don't know. It just got me thinking about the merged titles at the top end, and then thinking about the never title, and thinking how this should have a bit more hmm. weight and substance to it. And I was thinking, like, doesn't everybody just lose it? Who loses this title? I was looking at like the number of defenses. The last sixteen people to hold it, only two of the last sixteen have defended it more than once, and hmm. the majority of those haven't defended it at all. And you're like, well, like, so you've done away with the Intercontinental title and then the next title in line is this hot potato title that you basically just have a match and it's like a game of fucking pass a pass or something, isn't it? It's like whoever it happens to land on at this particular event ends up just walking away with the belt and then they just have a match with somebody else and they get beat 
for it or in two shows time they get beat for it you know i think uh, again in this era of new japan where we're all feeling a bit um you know uninspired by it and you know a lot of the booking has sort of felt like it's it, it's gone to, to shit this just really feels like something now where the the they need to just build something here with this, like leave it on, leave it on um, Jay White and just, you know, put, you know, build something of substance as this secondary title that's, you know, got something going on with, with it that just, you know, takes the eye and the booking in a different direction and gives you something else to kind of like cling to and think about. Because if it just keeps going ahead in this, you know, this, this hot potato way, then, I don't know. The title itself's got got nothing going on for it, and then if if they don't seem to care about putting any substance behind the title, like why should we care about it as as fans? Mm. No, totally. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. That's the thing that this never belt is supposed to be the secondary belt now. When you got Jay White cutting promos about being the real belt collector, and I'm just like, yeah, I don't really care, mate. <laughs> I just don't. <laughs> like, I can't. I can't get excited about that. Yeah, um, yeah, and that's just the and it's- current state of New Japan. Sorry, JP. I was going to say that the one title in some ways that I've even been more reasonably excited about seeing is the IWGP US title with Nagata versus Moxley on Dynamite. That feels to me like kind of more interesting, and that should never be the case. What they've done with these Young secondary boys on titles, New Japan Strong this week sounds more interesting than this day, this day one. It card, does. JP. <laughs> it does. I think, I think Chris that. Dickinson versus Tom Lawler, like all mm. of that stuff, seems mm. seems more interesting. And it and it just also makes you think. I'd like to see some of these guys over in Japan, mm. which I know, given circumstances and everything else, mm. but it, it's it's just that what they've done with the belts is an entirely self inflicted wound Mm. because the whole reason that Nakamura had it for such a long time was he built up that title so it could headline Mm. and they've just taken it away but it meant something when it headlined now it started to lose things when it really went away from him because they didn't have like because there was the the whole thing with Naito and the kind of hates then became finally love relationship with it but then it's gone so like there's no one else you could have passed it on to. And you'd argue that someone like Shingo was like, would have been perfect for that role. Like, and, and it's the thing about the, the kind of never open weight role I th- I, I, with this title match. It's just like, why are we going back to this match? This is a match we've seen. There are other fresher match matchups that you can do, but Tanahashi in a kind of, in a, in a kind of supporting, in a supporting undercard role. Well, within the grand scheme of things, it, you know, defending this title, you've got interesting people he could defend it against. Like, I mean, I know we you don't find it interesting necessarily with the great Okan defences, but it's someone fresh and new. And instead they went to this. Mm. And when I think of these, when I think of Jay White Tanahash, I end up thinking back to that first Dome match where he came back, which was a dud, and the G1 match that he won, which was also a dud at the start of the, the G1, I think, um, later on that year. So it's, it's not something I want to see. Jay White has never has never open white champion. Gives a fucking shit. What mm. what is it going to mean? It's a waste of him. We'd been talking about all this stuff with mm-hmm. him being in the top. And, and what? Why is he here? What's the purpose of this? It just feels like another time killer. Because it wouldn't surprise me if they reverse it at this Tokyo Dome event, mm. which might be limited to five thousand people there. And at this point, I'd be surprised if they did five thousand. Like mm. I mean, I'm sure they will. But ultimately, it's 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 still very stale and lifeless, and I and I, 
you know, we've described a, a five-star match at the start, you know, during this episode. <laughs> and not even that is enough to kind of stop us from thinking, yeah, but there's still this other stuff in there that I don't like. I mean, I went three and a half on this because there is good professional wrestling, but my God, mm. the length of time was absolutely fucking needless. Mm. Definitely, definitely. And it was, yeah, again, New Japan is just not, it's led the show today, but <laughs> as far as like my, if I wasn't covering, a pod, covering it for a podcast, would I want to, unless there's a Shingo Osprey on your card, do I actually want to watch it mm. right now? I think the answer is uh, is kind of no right now. And yeah, to that point, mm-hmm. and, and JP will be doing a victory lap here. We don't often talk other other Japanese companies this uh, this early on the podcast. So you go, JP. Plenty yeah. of time today. <laughs> Honestly, like even even to me, JP, and you know I'm a hardcore hater here. It, it does sound like there's more interesting things going on uh, going on elsewhere yeah. in Japan. Um, where would you like to start, JP? All Japan, Noah. It's your week, mate. You've been feeling uh, bad. You're feeling rough the last couple of days. I'm giving you this one. Cool. We'll start off with Noah because okay. I know that we've all watched Noah, and, and and I don't know how many of you guys have watched any of the. This being the glory, Carnival. but I think, and yeah, this being the glory, um, which was one of the English language events they did, um, and really, I mean, for me, it's it, it's the last two matches on mm. there as well. But mm. I find Noah fascinating because I, I love the presentation of it. You can see things they could do really well, yet somehow we're in a position where there's just 50-year-old men all over the place, just in all of the big stories and angles. And I don't quite understand why or how this has happened. Um, so it's, it's kind of fascinating. That. I will say this. I enjoyed the t- the two top matches. Mm. Like, I w- you know, we would all agree that the Muto as champion thing is not something that's good. I don't know. Is it changing things from a business perspective? Had someone else there? God knows. But can he trick for any future matches with him? Don't make him run. Mm. There you go. There's <laughs> there's the trick. Have a lot of ground-based offense where you're doing work on his knees and you've got a guy whose finisher involves a kind of, you know, his, his prison lock finisher as well for that. And I think you can kind of get away with it with Muto. You can drag that bad boy out for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and for Gita Segura, if there's one 50-year-old man who deserves titles and matches is Takeshi Segura, because, like, fuck me. Like, that bloke and some of the beef in that. But, yeah, I just I'm more him. fascinated to know what you guys guys think. I want to say them two lads have a slap fight as well. I want to say after this discussion. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> with Gita, mate, <laughs> slap fighting. Oh, did you That's see you get me. Segura's neck yeah. after <laughs> It was. Oh. It looked like like two beefy Polish lads refusing to go down. That's what it looked like. It looked like the two of them were in quite a significant amount of pain, and they were just refusing to. Yeah, I lo- I did love that uh, exchange in this. It was just two two beefy old men beating the shit out of each other. What's not to love? I get. I even I gave this four stars, JP. So you can uh, you can you can care me being the uh, the Noah hater for one day. You went four stars on it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I went four point two five on it. I went four point two five as well. I fucking loved this. Just, <laughs> just these two just knocking hell out of each other. For just and, uh, again, I think just uh, just like you said there, that that exchange near near the end there, where they were just 
fucking this you know it was just pure slap fighting wasn't it just like right in each other's faces and you're just like look, looking at that thinking oh, you you know, oh these lads are, these lads are going to be fucking sore boys tomorrow but yeah it was, like, it was just uh it was just it was just great it was just no nonsense just mm-hmm. two proper wrestlers just going out there and you know interspersed between it the actual you know the the, the bits of wrestling that there was in in between it with some of the suplexes and some of the lariats and things but then it all coming back to the to the strikes and then just like um all you know finally Fujita just been you know knocked out of it finally sort of towards the end and just beaten mm. just one two three just beaten mm. slam done great yeah. i love that i love like, the finish uh, coming out of nowhere was great yeah you, you, you don't get enough of that in in, mm. in wrestling it's just yeah somebody's had I, high impact happened to them done the beat mm. and there's there's no there's, there's no that shame in it. you happen, don't need to two older men shouldn't it like you know yeah a big bump like that can be the ends like that's you know you'd see it in boxing you'd see it in any legitimate sport yeah especially for Gia, who a lot of his shtick is him not never going down mm. is him never dropping to a knee or anything else that's exactly how it should kind of end mm. um i love segura um he's oh. fucking brilliant he really is genuinely fucking brilliant. Like mm-hmm. I've, like if I'm just thinking, even over the last few months, he had that amazing match against Goshi Azaki. He was involved in that great tag match as well with uh, the aggression and him and Sakuraba. I'm looking forward to him and Sakuraba. I'm intrigued to see what they put together with that as well. Mm-hmm. But it's still two lads over fifty that we're talking about. Um, Speaking you know. of that, <laughs> I didn't watch the main event. I, I didn't watch it because I was. Oh, I, saw, I, I saw. I saw the, the the hype video, and the hype video was great, um, as Liam says in the chat there. But I just assumed it'd be terrible. Was it not terrible? I enjoyed. It. I went three point seven five on it. I really yeah, enjoyed it. <laughs> I just assumed it was muta broken down. It'd be crap. All right, okay. This this was the most mobile I've seen Muta look um, since um, in this in this Noah run. I don't know if it's it's just I don't know <laughs> whether his uh, his, bos- his body's getting less stiff or something like that. The uh, more that he's been called into action or something like that. But he just um, I know like as it was done before in the KME match, the this match structure was done in such a way that it was slower and more grounded at the start and things. So there, there didn't need to be as much motion and he didn't need to be on his, his feet as much. But he definitely just seemed to, I don't know, he just seemed to have more balance and motion and movement about about him in in, in this one. And 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 being in there with the lad that he was in with um, with Kane, it just seemed like the perfect opponent for him, and the, yeah. the way that they, the way that they, they traded, um, traded holds, traded you know dominance, you know a bit of the you know striking that was done done in there. It, it just it just worked, and I think that the the story of Musa, um, you know, continuously just sort of like going back to his arm and grounding him with the arm, and and you know putting on different holds and things like that. It was, you know, it was it was told really well, and like I, I really, really enjoyed it. And you had that great spot at the end with Mutaland um, and the uh, Shining Wizard off the back of the referee. Like, yeah, that was, uh, I loved that. That was uh, that was uh, that was, uh, that, was uh, that was great stuff. And um, um, yeah, it was. Uh, it was. I watched it live, and and again. So even though I knew he was winning, I didn't know the outcome. And but they, you know, built enough kind of um, 
I don't know, suspension of disbelief in there um, for me as for me as well. But um, yeah, I definitely it was a, it was it was one of those that um, that I wasn't expecting much, and I came away at the end thinking like, oh, actually, maybe mm-hmm. there's a, there's life in this run after all because i was really down on it after the um after the uh, kiamir match last time and mm. thinking like fucking hell they should have switched the belt there what are they doing they're gonna they're killing any interest that i've built in noah by having mooter in this position but now actually they've come right back up on the up curve there and then the um set up there at the end for the uh, marifuji match next time i was thinking like yeah this you know this is interesting to me to me as well and I think, you know, looking at both of these matches, like the combined total of both of these was 40 minutes, which is exactly the same as a Jay White Tanahashi match. And, you know, give me 40 minutes of time and do I want to watch um, Sagira and Fujita knock hell out of each other and then watch these two go at it in the way that these two did or watch Jay White and Tanahashi for 40 minutes? I know which one I'm picking, 100%. Mm, just terrifying, considering. I thought you were going to say the combined age, which is probably like 350. <laughs> <laughs> the combined age was 100 in the semi <laughs> Two lads, both 50. Hey, whatever, Seriously, you can go out there and do it. One of them looking at very much a younger 50 than the other one, I have to say. Vegeta looks more lump than man at times for this. Mm. But I, it's a shout out as well for Kitamiya, who's always been kind of pegged as a tag wrestler. I thought um, I thought he did a really good job. Mm. Um, I'm more intrigued in kind of him and Nakajima as a tag team, kind of as a result of this, of not thinking he's the other guy really with Nakajima. Um, they played a lot of the Masa, Masa Saito stuff as well, which I think was good because that I, I think they were almost like playing that being into part of Muto's strategy that he's wrestled Masa Saito so many times yeah. that yeah, you, you, and, and I was kind of perfectly fine with that, but I don't think while he didn't lose anything, mm. which I know sounds kind of crazy. And I think he gained something by being like just being in that kind of level of match and the more and the kind of bigger presentation of it. Because the video at the start, like you say, is, is tremendous. And they're pissing all over New Japan for that stuff, Noah. Mm. It's pretty incredible. It is a highlight. And we're getting to the point. And I suppose part of the reason that we end up talking about Noah and you get the investment in it is kind of linked back to New Japan. And you think there is the space in the market for there, for a lot of fans who look at New Japan and see the path that they're on and think this isn't very good, and they could present that, and they have interesting wrestlers they could do that with. They need to expand it. That the the where that um, Muto Marafuji match uh, taking place was going to be the Saita um, the Saitama Super Arena show with DDT, the Cyber Fight show, and and Tokyo Joshi Pro, like the big Cyber Fight banner show. And it's, I think it's capped at 5,000. And that's a shame because in some ways you'd want to know what would the genuine attendance be? What is the kind of interest they can get between these groups? Then what they can do, because they did, um, they've done a lot of teases with um, Takeshita, um, finally getting his name right, um, from DDT and and Kiyomiya as well. So there's loads of interesting directions they can go in. At some point though, you need to put a younger fucking lad with the belt. And I don't know how many more times you can repeat it. I don't know, like the Marafuji match, I'm sure that they'll get away with because there are a couple of kind of experienced pros. Mm. How beat up's Marafuji, though? And Muto's got probably, what, 17, 16, 17 years on him? 
Yes, the big June show. See, I still think of Marafuji as a young boy, just from like the days of teaming with yeah. Kenta and stuff. He doesn't feel, yeah. I mean, well, compared to Muto, like obviously different, different generations type of thing. That wouldn't be as bad though. Like he comes back, he wins the belt. Oh no, he, he gets the belt and 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 this lovely story of of Muta coming back and and getting his getting his nice little retirement title run and moving on to someone yeah he's older but can clearly still go i think that's got to be the move is it not sure as soon as i, I saw that match announced and not even like someone follows noah closely i was like yeah that's the title mm-hmm. change it's got to be surely i don't know i don't, think so. I don't no. know you what don't really get a hint because they're also in the same stable they're in the yeah. same faction right M's Alliance, which is, I'm not joking when I say it's a group of people with the letter M in their name somewhere. <laughs> so Masata Tanaka's in there. Marakumi's in there. Is that the well. real it's gimmick? Like, is that why it's called that? Yeah. M's that's Alliance. why it's called that. Yeah. M's Alliance. Mokazuki. That's fucking Mokazuki, that's. Fucking hell. Right, we're not covering nowhere anymore. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> that's awful. Whereas Congo means diamonds. Oh. I don't know if that's a reference to the Demo- Democratic Republic. AW's missing a trick here. Diamonds. They need to make a stable pages and cages and just have like Ethan Page, Hangman Page, Brian Cage, Christine Cage. There you go. <laughs> Throw them together, make a stable. Well up, Why not? Well, I, think, I think that'd be brilliant. I, just think, <laughs> I think the for puns alone, you'd need mm. someone working on the writing team for that. But Will said, surely yeah, I, you have a young guy in the title reign. Is that wishful thinking? Like, will that actually happen? I mean, you would have thought Kiyomiya but then you'd have to build him up and you don't see them building him up at enough of a pace. You would think Nakajima, but I don't know at the moment he doesn't, I don't seem to be doing too much with him necessarily until they get to that N one tournament. So mm. Marafuji just feels kind of, I must say it's not left field because they could easily do it and it, they can always make it make sense, but you'd want to be putting on a young guy, wouldn't you? really you've gone this far with it you want a young guy beating muto and kind of ending the legend as any kind of like top line threat to the title like you can't go go shiazaki with it, who's having some well-earned time off mm. but yeah that's the thing with it it's those next steps they get those next steps right and there could be a lot of interest because they're doing a lot of things right in the presentation and making it easy for a Western audience to watch. Again, well, the commentary the... makes all the difference for me. Like yeah. I, I'll be, yeah. like I am, I'm that guy. I, I need, I, especially a product I'm not familiar with. Like I need that investment, otherwise I'm going to glaze over. Um, you know, you can sell me on it all you want, but like unless you know, you need even even if it's bad commentary because I don't even. I'm not saying the no commentary is bad. It's not, but it's not. It's not well beater commentary. It's just somebody speaking English explaining what's going on. And that goes a long way for like cracking into a non-hardcore audience. And I know the pure purists out there won't like it, but I, I think it's an absolute necessity if you want to do anything more. It's definitely a big reason why I've, you know, yeah. got more interested in Noah. I don't think I'd have had the same engagement if it wasn't for um, the the Scottish lad and Welsh lad who were doing that. Who was it? Mark Pickering and... Who's Stuart Fulton? Yeah, yeah. Like, your That's what they sound like. Yeah, yeah. That's you know that, well, it's, like that style. Mm-hmm. It's it's that style that I think is very infitting with the way that Noah's presented as well, and it mm-hmm. just seems it just seems right and appropriate in the way that they commentate to me, and it just um, yeah, it definitely it adds something. And I think in in both of these matches as well, they just 
I don't know, told you enough backstory and things like that without going overboard on it. And then, you know, described the described the action as well and um, described it well. I, you know, I'm really, really enjoying both of these and really enjoying Noah, to be honest. I think it's it's felt like a it's felt like a breath of fresh air for me um, over the last six months, nine months. Well, best, uh, best six pound a month I spend that subscription. On behalf of all three of us, thank you, Gareth. That uh, <laughs> <laughs> is also how I got it to work on my Chromecast today. Um, <laughs> but on that note, I mean, are all Japan doing a better job, JP? I mean, you've seen a lot of like the Champions Carnival. Like, it seems the mm. story of this is what the elevation finally of uh, of Jake Lee. Jay Lee's something yes. for me. He's never really. I don't know. He just doesn't grab me. I don't know whether it's his mm. presentation. You know. Him a nice ring jacket or something when he comes out he just seems like just a dude to me um i watched the final today and it was a decent match but you know i'm watching it without the maybe the investments i think people have got in jake lee being the the next big thing in uh, in all japan is is that what's uh basically been going on over there for uh, for this tony that's pretty much it yeah yeah this is the elevation of jake lee it feels like they finally set up jake and i think he works much better as a heel there's able to be some mannerisms i I'm kind of higher on him because what they've always gone with Jake Lee is a kind of stoicism. Mm. And I would recommend everyone have a listen to post Purest this week, mm. because one of the things that WH goes into with his guest, um, I can't remember her name. I know her first name's Karen. Um, it, it was about, um, was about the fact uh, uh, the heritage of Jake Lee is he's of Korean heritage. Therefore he gets less rights in Japan. Interesting. Uh, because he's got that as well. Even though he's Japanese, he was born in Japan and brought up Japanese. Um, yeah, and that's part of it. And uh, it, it's a fascinating one. Like, because he's effectively, though, you watch him, I can get why people think he's dull. And I've seen him have some good matches, but at times it can't. It can be difficult to watch. Here he's showing more charisma and more aggression, which mm. th- feels like a very welcome change, kind of how he is. I am more invested. I mean, I love Miyahara. This tournament on the whole has generally been good for them. They've been very lucky at the unlucky at the end with having the uh, state of emergencies having to go to um, empty arena for this. But I think they made it work because they had enough people at ringside making noise and stuff. And Miyahara is that fucking good as well. And I went four and a half on this. Like I, I, I loved this. I, I, I thought it was it was brilliant. Um, it was very, very end-to-end. I mean, there's things about Miyahara's offense, especially his, like, kind of explosiveness that go in on and there. And and his, and his selling, like, is is tremendous. And there's just a point in matches like this, these epic matches. And the story they're telling here is that Jake Lee never wins the big one against him when it really matters. Never able to get out of that straight jacket uh, German. So that's why they had the long sequence of him trying to get towards the rope and then biting on it because there's a kind of big, psychological block about that um i yeah i i just found myself like kind of really enjoying it then then towards the end and you know uh by the end i've just sort of written the final two words and in like titanic stuff like just really big epic match it elevates jake lee jake lee should be the one to end suwama there's a ton of people he can go up against um, they could have done a better job of elevating some of the other people on there as well. Like they had a Shino, Shitaro Ashino, who I like to occasionally hassle about Arsenal. And his latest shirt has C O Y G on it, which I'm assuming stands for come on you gooners. So like <laughs> he's putting it on his fucking merch now. How much did they cost to like, send it to? Are them? you well I had a look, don't we? Uh, but 
it seems more more trouble than it's worth. Far too complicated, and I'd have to have a whole conversation, which would require like kind of the nuances of what I'd want to say to him in Japanese script are probably not going to be there. Mm. You know, when I put hashtag Cronky out, I don't know how he feels about the European Super League because that could easily be a deal breaker for me in all of this. But he's someone who's young and is good, and they could push mm. like up to then. He was on commentary there. And there's already a tailor-made storyline story with him and Jake Lee. There's Yuma Ayagi they could go with, but they need to kind of move away from the Ishikawa. And I think for Sawama, this has been like his last kind of like really big run. And generally he's had some, some good matches there mm. along the way, but Jake Lee feels like the kind of, like the kind of proper ending to it. Yeah, I mean, I I thought this match. I'll go three point seven five to four star range. I almost feel bad putting the rating in on Grapple because I know the average is a is a bit higher than that. Um, but you know that goes with being you know invested in you know the mm. the Jake Lee character etc. In this match, one thing I'll say for it, you know, I watched it. You know, coming off the back of watching you know two forty odd minute matches, one being much better than the other. Um, I appreciated that they didn't do that. That it wasn't you know a mm. silly ethic. It was kind of the point, wasn't it? It was Jake Lee working over the the ribs of uh, of Kanto Mihara and yeah. you know a you know functionary I would say you know almost four star 20 minute odd match is that is that about how long it was it didn't feel about uh, 25 yeah it didn't feel much longer than that yeah maybe 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 between the 25 half an hour length but it definitely that that's about it that's that's the peak I think for you know a big main event match um but for me anytime I watch you know a match like this it it is always Kanto Mihara that jumps off the page it's always him that I think oh you know I'd like to see him in you know more interesting scenarios I didn't feel particularly invested in a you know I'd, I'd read you know people saying that they thought you know Jake Lee winning was predictable and maybe that hurt their, their opinion on the match but you know going into it without that and without that investment in so much really even wanting a, a Jake Lee victory maybe you know it was lost on me a little bit um you know that that side of it the the fact that he had he is the uh, the great hope um as far as all Japan goes but I mean mm. was it was it the match of the tournament JP is, is that is that the case or was that was the better stuff yes it? I mean there was other stuff throughout it that I, I mean for me that was match of the tournament I'd say the second one was kind of there was a lot of Miyahara matches that are that are very good there was a, a Miyahara match against Suwama that's that's well worth watching. I haven't seen Ishikawa versus Suwama, the, the Violent Giants match on the show, um, which was on, on I think that was like the semi-main. I still haven't seen that yet. Mm. I'd also recommend Suwama versus Shitaro Ishino. Mm. Like just, and a lot of these matches, like I said last time, are kind of about 10 minutes in length. You need to and be with that empty arena as well. That kills it too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but they're just like brutal affairs, mm. like the whole way through the tournament. There's been a level of quality that's been better this year. As in, like, if you think you can judge these tournaments and really by how good the weakest people are in it. And on the whole, the weakest people are okay. Mm. Most years it's been like Yoshi Tatsu. And you think, mm. well, he's going to stink up a whole series of matches and he's going to have to get wins. And it's going to be like that kind of thing there. And you'd see a lot of matches. Like I remember the one from the year before. A lot of it was like two and a half star, three star. It was like bang, bang average. This year, I feel like they've kind of got it together. Shinjiro Atani was a good person to throw in the mix as well. So yeah, that they'd be the matches that I'd be recommending. There's other ones on there. But do you know what I end up doing? I use the filter on the Grapple app. And then I filter it for all Japan, had a look at what the best tournament matches are, and then do it that way. Mm. 
and if you're going back into the tournament and you want to get a feel of current all Japan, that's what I would do. Mm. Yeah, and if if you do that, like you know, you're saying there that Jake Lee Miha was the match of the tournament for you. It's the match of the tournament on the app at four point three four average, and mm. then you know, literally the next three matches after that are all Miyahara matches as well. So there's, there's the Ayagi match at like 4.07, Suwama at 4.01, Zeus at 3.98, so essentially four stars. So like Miyahara there again, pulling out basically a run of like four star matches there. And then even underneath that, there's, you know, there's another, you know, five or six there that you're looking at 3.75 or above there. So there's plenty to pick from and go back and and watch there. Again, if you're just looking for something a bit different to a, do what JP does and get yourself on that filter on the front page of the app and uh, find those find those best matches. <laughs> there you go. Good uh, good app plug thrown in there as well for good measure. But cool. yeah, let's uh, move on to uh, to AEW and a bit later in the show than we normally would talk AEW, but there is uh, the small matter of uh, blood and guts happening, I suppose, tonight at time most people are going to be listening to this. Um, but yeah, it's an uh, interesting couple of weeks for AEW. Firstly, I think the, you know, as we talked about on the weekend show on Friday, JP, the, uh, the rating came in and initially... You know, disappointment. I think was the uh, was the initial reaction until maybe got a bit of context on that once you saw you know what the mm. the top ten of the night was, and it was for whatever reason um, people were really interested in watching uh, Joe Biden's uh, presidential address. And as we've talked about over over time, those types of things seem to impact uh, AEW more than they they do anyone else. Still, you know, a, a little bit of a, a kick in really, especially as a, as a go home to to blood and guts uh, in the eight hundred thousand range. But you have to believe uh, for blood and guts uh, on Wednesday they you'd think with the the job they they put in on this go home show and just the job in general he's done in building it up that's going to be a a monster monster rating uh, this wednesday uh gareth uh what's the what's the grapple mats on it what are, what are we saying do we have a do we have any uh, estimates uh this time out on uh <laughs> the aw rating for wednesday uh, is this where i predict a wrong rating again <laughs> yes <laughs> that's where we're going yeah. Because it's my spot now. Um, <laughs> we'll go back. We'll go back to where. Is there anything else happening in the world tomorrow that um, we need to be? Only that there's. What is it? Like some kind of like. It's not like. It's not spring break, but it's something like that, isn't it, JP? Isn't it? Isn't it like some big part Cinco de Mayo or something? Is is that not uh, tomorrow? Yeah, it is. Fifth of May, isn't it? Yeah, that that's the only thing going against it. That what if this young hip AW audience <sighs> want to go out and party and catch COVID rather than watch the show? I'll give it a flat. I'll give it a flat one point one million. He's going. He's playing it safe. He's playing it safe. Um, <laughs> did you find that that eight hundred odd rating as disappointing as being JP did? Yeah, it was. It was disappointing. But like same as you. Once I sort of saw the context and mm. thought about everything that we've talked about with, and mm. you know, if there is anything else going on in the world that's newsworthy or of some cultural context or something like that. We've seen it in the past. It always always hampers their their rating. So you know, it wasn't unexpected once I once I saw that that was that was going on. But as you know, I think even going back three weeks for me, it's about. And I, I don't think AW look at it on a week to week basis either. For me, it's mm-hmm. a, it's it's about that trend. And then if it's if it's up again this month, or even if it's you know only slightly up, and you know you're in the nine hundred range. You're averaging out over the month, and then you're just looking where we are, and it's about like that curve on a month-to-month basis. I th- I think, and you know, you'd have to say that you know on the basis of that, it's going to be trending upwards, and then then it's you know for them to do something with over the next four weeks. But I think the way that they've filled, um, the way that they've 
built up blood and guts mm-hmm. over the uh, over the last couple of weeks. They give themselves every chance to do a good rating because you know you'd have thought anybody who has been watching it is going to be interested and excited about it because I, I think it's it's definitely come across as something where there's a there's a lot of needle there between the, uh, the 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 two factions, and then the match itself has been, you know, presented as something that is feels a bit like it's going to be must see. Even the blood and guts branding alone is something that for your, mm. you know, your mm. your average in the middle ground punter might be intrigued about to see. Okay, well, what what's going to be so blood and gutsy about blood and guts? I think the only thing is, is when it's called blood and guts, they've got to fucking deliver on blood and guts um, on after the way that they fucked up the exploding ring last time. You know, <laughs> with this, there's there's got to be oh yeah, gore. There's got mm. to be crimson masks all over the fo- yeah. over the place here. And if they don't deliver on that, then you know they they. Deserve a kick in, but um, they've kind but, of, yeah, not even I, that, I'm they've, they've given like the expectation of the violence, but they've also given like they, I don't know if you've ever seen the um, the road to show they've been putting on YouTube about it. They are pushing heavily that this is war games, like they're using like PWI magazine footage, and they've got like Dustin and Tully and Arnas like talking heads, talking about like the history of quote unquote this match. Like <laughs> they are setting themselves up to fail if this doesn't deliver um, but you'd have to have to believe it Ward. and i feel like the the go home you know we talked the ratings there the two positives out of those ratings were one darby allen killing it again in 1849 mm. and two jericho's uh segment as always being the uh the big big uh big ratings draw you know that was the one that came closest to drawing the uh, the normal what is the new normal million and if the million people watch that didn't fancy this match after it i don't know what's yeah what more you need um maybe a little you know going in you know squid what is it fucking parlay the pinnacle parlay or whatever the hell they called it another one of those put me off and maybe it was a little bit orchestrated and a little bit, you know, you know, going back and forth, everyone getting their turn on the mic. But the content of it was incredible. Like, yeah. as far as selling this match goes, like, they taught me into it that this is going to be a big, big deal uh, on Wednesday night. It felt like real heat. It mm. felt really kind of like the way, especially the stuff that Dax Harwood was doing to Santana mm. and stuff, who you look at Santana and you think there's someone who's, looking like he's going to break out to be honest with you like but there, there was like a level of intensity to it that i wasn't expected because like you i was like kind of pretty underwhelmed by the idea of another bloody talking segment between mm. which is something they need to remedy mm. massively but no i'm i am much more like kind of sold on this as a show mm. it's changed i mean they've added they've got five matches on this now mm. and beforehand it was very much this is a one match show which would have been interesting in, in its kind of conception. I understand for having matches on there because you think, well, you can't have this match go an hour and a half. Fucking hell. I mean, it would just it would just be ridiculous. Mm. So like I'm I'm fascinated by it. I'm I reckon in the ring it will deliver to it. I'm gonna make a, a bold prediction. I think it's gonna underperform rating wise. I think they're gonna do a million. Oh. Like and I I I don't know why. I've just got a feeling. Cody singles match, Kenny tag match on there. Do you think? 
well, maybe the hidden majority have been waiting for the QT Marshall Cody <laughs> blow off as well. Uh, in this, do you mean so, Tony Soprano, mate? Have you seen those videos? He's uh, I know. <laughs> sat in the psychiatrist. Good on chair. him. <laughs> Living it's his not, best life. Here. It's a complete waste of time. But anyway, <laughs> it's it's fascinating what they've done in terms of how they've stacked this card because they've yeah. put like a four way tag, which is clearly have loads and loads of various kind of flips and action on there. They have got Britt Baker versus someone who's TBA. They've got Kenny Omega and, oh, and Michael Nakazawa versus Moxley and Kingston. So you got a bit of star presence on there as well as forwarding on the uh, story. Like that. Yeah, I was going to say, I agree. Yeah. That like a big star, yeah. <laughs> In all, mate, you'll never understand that gaming community stuff. It's a very it's a very clever joke with him wearing the the kind of polo shirt and trousers all the time. <laughs> and and then you've got, yeah, Co- Cody Cutie Marshall as well as, as this. So it feels like they've really stacked this in the hope of getting that big rating, hmm. which to me, I mean, I, I think don't 1. Know. I'll be, I'll be the, I'll be the high man. Okay. But I'll throw, I'll suck my neck out there, JP. I hope I'm wrong, hmm. but away. I'll say, I want AEW to do well for hmm. reasons that we've discussed on here many, many times. Hmm. I want it to do well. Hmm. Um, and I hope it delivers. I think the match will deliver. I think there is so many good wrestlers in there who are itching to do this and they've got people about how to structure this properly. You know, you've got Sammy Guevara, who I'm sure is considering him starting off. There's people in there. It's going to be star making stuff. They're going to have loads of the visual of MJF's face covered in blood and the rest. You can just see oh, it happening. Definitely blading. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I hope Wardlow doesn't. I hope he's the only one who doesn't out of all of them. I think mm. it's acceptable for everyone else, but I hope Wardlow doesn't. Jericho will. Back. You know, he'll be able to help himself. Like, <laughs> he'll, Jericho's, he'll blade <laughs> in, Dustin, in the ring. Dustin Rhodes will just walk past on the outside and just gig himself. Dustin will be left out that he's not fucking bleeding all over the place. <laughs> Get in on the ass. Oh, he would do, wouldn't he? They'll have, yeah, they'll have Dustin in the crowd with the gun club and he'll be like, why is he bleeding? <laughs> Remember when, like they were gonna do, when they're going to do the last blood and guts match and rather than put Dustin on the Cody team, they put fucking Matt Hardy. I'm so glad that match didn't happen. Teleporting Matt Hardy was going to be part of the original blood and guts and not. Dustin Rhodes is sat right there. Just I'd still get him in this match somehow. I'd find a way. I think it's a disgrace he's not in it. Nobody bleeds better. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. I'd fit well with his, uh, with his red gear as well. Um, I, I, I mean, I was going to say, JP, you're talking about the super workers in there. Obviously, Sean Spears is in there, so you know we're guaranteed. Uh, uh, <laughs> he's tapping. Another he's bold prediction. <laughs> he did him. Nah, I, I think that they will get something out of him mm. that you will be impressed with at some point before the end of the year. Mm. I, I honestly think that'll be the case. Okay. I don't know why. I, I get all the reasons, but like. They'll, they'll, they'll do something, whether it would be like a feud with him and Sammy Guevara that somehow gets unexpectedly heated. I think mm. that that's what they'll, you know, it'll, it'll work. I'm not, not main event of stuff. I'm not a fucking moron. But, <laughs> like, I think there'll be enough kind of intriguing stuff. I like this new segment on the show, JP's Hot Tips. Yeah. <laughs> what's your, what's your hot tip on QT Marshall, mate? Is it next, uh, next big thing? I'm glad this is happening on that, in all seriousness. Like, oh, well, just... you need someone to end the belt collector gimmick, and who better than QT Marshall? So. <laughs> 
It is. It's difficult, difficult. Because I think Cody doing his best Lex Express was fucking magical TV. Uh, yeah. I love I love Cody Rhodes' ego. It's one of my favorite things in wrestling. Uh, there's something about it's like I hate Triple H for being an egotist, but Cody, there's something about the way he goes about it. Maybe because he's such a fucking clear fan, and he's just wanting to like, yeah, he's let's a do a throwback fan. to the Lex Express. Oh, next week we're gonna copy Sting and Luger. Week after we're gonna do this other thing I saw on Nitro once. Yeah. You know, by the time the pay per view comes around, they'll be feuding with someone else. Like we can guarantee that. Um, it'll be completely different to whatever's going on now. That is the problem with Cody Rhodes. But this does feel like a TV match more than a, a pay per view match for me. Um, never know. Maybe like you know, Anthony Agogo gets involved and hits that uh, that deadly punch to the gut and uh, and that becomes. Cody's pay-per-view match instead or Nick Camarato uh, stands up on it and can't take it anymore for QT Marshall but yeah yeah, I'll take it as a dynamite match I still I've still got all of the misgivings about giving this much TV time to QT Marshall but I can't say I've not been getting a little bit of uh, maybe ironic entertainment out of it uh, in all the wrong ways probably but like, oh, yeah. Yeah, this this new Sopranos character is also very very funny um, as long as it's short lived I suppose there's a, there's not a huge amount of damage done and it is as you know you guys as pointed out at the time, it's given you know a Nick Camarato and an Anthony Agogo and even an yeah. Aaron Solo a bit of a bit more TV time. The visual of Nick Camarato is quite amazing, isn't it? Yeah. He kind of looks like Billy Jack Haynes, mm. and he's he's crazy in the shit house. Rat that bloke. Mm. Like, I've watched a shoot interview with him, just talking absolute fucking nonsense. <laughs> but like, he's got such a visual to him that you you can't help but feel like and and the thing they did with the chair over the head like that was you know like kind of really really great stuff there i've you know aaron solo's clearly like the guy on there who's just going to be taking the pins and Anthony agogo is the one they're kind of going with the real kind of star power element and so can he work an act can he work an actual match that's that's what we don't know Hmm. however the presentation of him i've really enjoyed and I think he's done an excellent job in doing that as well. I think he's thrown himself in. I mean, this is just very, very, very early doors here. But mm. I've I've enjoyed it because it just, at least it gives meaning to a smaller part of the show. Mm. And it's not the main event. It's not blood and guts that we're talking about here. Mm. But it's stuff that at least there's a reason for it to exist. And there'll be a reason for these people to dislike each other on the variety of television programs they've got going on. Mm. And I'm fine with that. And that's really what a lot of that show was this week, mm. is it's just sort of like, it's like a soap opera, but it's just like kind of things trundling along. It's like Car Crash TV, but good. It's kind of what it felt like this yeah. week. It felt like just a lot happens. And there are times where I do think they don't, like, you know, Jericho talked about it in an interview list this week, and I was glad to hear him say it out loud that sometimes you can tell watching the TV the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing, and you get similar segments back to back. Like that, um, Cody and um, not not the Cody angle, sorry, the um, see, there's so many on this show, the Omega um, angle with Moxley and Kingston coming, oh, yeah, straight after the inner circle. But it's like, come, come on, lads, give me like, let me cast free breath, like, let me go. I was trying to go make a cup of tea or something. <laughs> I came back, and all of a sudden, like, Eddie Kingston was holding Michael Nakasawa hostage. It's like some of those things I, I do think, like, where put that somewhere else in the show, you know, give let that have its yeah. own emphasis as a big angle, or maybe it happens on a different week show or whatever. I don't know, maybe they came up with the idea of doing this match 
next week, you know, last minute, and that's why it was like shoehorned in here. That's the negative of it, though. But I tell you what, I'm never bored. I watch these diamond shows. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it it is like almost Vince Russo car crash TV, but like the quality of it's great. So I'm not complaining. They rock it past. Mm. Mm. They do. It's a show that moves, like we said before, at pace. I, I couldn't. That that thing though, I, I hated that where it was like Mox and Eddie Kingston, and it's like you can have you know you can have anything negotiating with Doug yeah, Callis. You can have yeah. you can have anything you want, anything you want. Okay, we want to we want a tag match with Omega <laughs> and Michael Nakazawa. Like, like you know what? That, you, probably, you probably could have just had that on like on Dark next week. Really, like it, it might have just been a match that was just on Dark, mate. You know, come on, you know, raise, raise the stakes a bit there. Come on, you could have had something a bit better. I did assume that was the way they were getting to you know Kenny having a title match on the pay per view and Eddie Kingston just saying yeah I won a title match. Like yeah, that, that to me I think that maybe gives the game away that yes it was very much a thrown together last minute decision of an angle because I don't think they really quite thought that one through you see because I've got got this thing in my head that I want Eddie Kingston to be the uh, impact champion like and and I was thinking my my head was going in in that direction in one of these uh, one of these whims that um, I I quite fancy as as an idea but get get wrong but um, I I love that as an idea of of Eddie Kingston been been the one to take that particular belt off him and him working in impact a bit on on top because obviously he's got the uh, got the legacy yeah. there but but now who needs that when you can have a tag match against michael nakazawa you know <laughs> i hope if eddie kingston does that i hope he wears like a black armband for that kid who got hit by the car <laughs> ricky. <laughs> ricky that was it so yeah everyone's expecting samoa joe to come <laughs> in and say the name of tna it's gonna be king his white wristband he's got ricky on it <laughs> <laughs> we need to see that now fucking real inside baseball references there to the hardcore t- impact fans <laughs> uh, yeah uh, but yeah I, like i say I, I i am probably the high man and what i expect coming into a to blood and guts but uh, it's a little bit concerning and i think that i yeah, thought you know the go home show was you know not as not as highly viewed as the uh, the most recent shows maybe that will have a you know an overall effect on it but you know, i'm overall i'm quite positive i mean was there anything else coming out of dynamite uh, dynamite you wanted to, to mention quick uh, I suppose briefly at this uh, this late stage. Um, I tell you what, I really enjoyed. I'll give you one: the uh, Young Bucks and uh, the Sidells. I thought that was a really good. Oh time. yeah, Matt Sidell looked like it was 2006 again. He was uh, that was the I... most complete he's looked on AEW. Like the most like comfortable and uh, yeah, as a team, this thing with his brother it seems like it's working out for me. Big time. It was like I'm looking here again at my notes, and like I was literally just thinking of him as someone who had no value at all when he showed up in AW. To me, I was just like, why the fuck have we, you know, why the why the fuck have we got Matt Seidel coming in here at this point? But yeah, God, he's is is really. He feels like he's like really found his feet, and he feels like he's someone who actually offers something of a value, mm. and in this tag team is is offering something of a value as well. It's uh, I, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that as a TV match, and and even the book side of things as well. I know we've been quite critical of them over the over the months, but I feel like this is the first time in. And there's parts of it that I don't necessarily like, but I feel like it's the first time in 18 months that we've got that clarity of direction on 
what books are. It feels like mm. they've skirted around it so much. Like, are they heels? Are they faces? Are they going to turn? Are they not going to turn? You know, we're you know we're against FTR one week when we've been heelish for a bit, but suddenly they're the heels, so we have to flip back to being a bit baby faceish and things. They've just felt a bit all over the place for quite a while, but now they've got that very clear path. They've turned up that cocky bullshit, and you know, just sort of mm. like change change the, the the gimmick a bit. And even there's some even though there's some bits of that that. I don't know, great on me a little bit, and they're a bit corny and things like that. At least you've got that clarity of okay, this is the direction they're going in now, and 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 you can kind of get behind it from that perspective. That that perspective, and you know, I think it 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 feels like it it it, it's working now, and it's going to be something that's going to work for the next six months as well. It's if they stick with it is the thing, though. Like I always think with like a gimmick like this, and I the things you probably dislike about it, Gareth, the things I dislike about it, I just find it too much of a too much of a wink and a nudge and a you know, it's an irony gimmick. It's not they're not really heels. They're ironically playing heels on on telly. Part of me wonders, like, can you keep that up long term? Like, sure, at some point they're going to be tempted to, you know, to go back face again. Um, mm. I don't trust them. I suppose it's basically what I'm, what I'm saying. And it's funny because I love the match. The match, it's almost like a content. They, in some ways, they come out and they've got go away hate with me with this gimmick, with this, you know, because the, they're just playing it up that much that it doesn't feel in any way real or end. But then they go out there and they have a match like this with the Sidells, and I'm like, oh, you know what? Fine, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna skip your matches, am I, lads? So you know, I suppose you've uh, you've worked me into the building there. They regularly set the tone for the show, don't yeah, they? And they're, they're great opening up and for this, the show. I'll give them that. They are, and this did this, and the fact they're doing this with a team that nominally shouldn't mean anything mm-hmm. is really is really great. And and I'd written down on the notes on there that um, this is the best I'd seen Sidell since New Japan, like. When he, yeah, got caught with, controversial. when he got caught with the uh, the weed vape pen. And his brother, who, like, my God, I mean, like, he's not as good as Matt, Side- as Matt Seidel, but fuck me, he works. He-, he does work his arse off, and you can appreciate it. But again, I come away from this. Boring thing, US tag team titles. You need a secondary title to be defended on those other shows because Felt you can absolutely... Re- the books have just been like, oh yeah, yeah. We're, we're going through a slump. Like that's been the story. They're the champs. <laughs> like that's that's been a real problem for this tag division. I think it's mm. almost like the belts haven't existed for a little while. But they've got so many good tag teams. Mm. Like they could do that, and I think it would mean a lot to some of these. And you can have some really fun, exciting, um, like kind of new tag team battles between lots of mm. teams. Like, I'm not mad about the varsity blondes, but I think you can get something out of them. Especially in a week, as the uh, the chatter said, where uh, mm-hmm. Dark Side of the Rings on and Pillman's on everyone's minds, you know, go with them. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, the other thing I want to mention as well from the show, as, uh, as Liam has uh, joked over in the chat about us, yeah, we got Kip Savian getting a shoeing on this show. We got, uh, as he said, we built it into existence and Miro murdered them. Apparently, he's off for a while. Is, is he injured or something like that? I heard he's injured. The, the update today, JP. He's, uh, who cares? He's off me telly. I'm glad Kip Savian's not going to be around anymore. I'm glad. <laughs> This version of Miro is around because fuck me, did that get intense backstage? I felt a, a point I felt a little hard and right, Michael Cole. I've got to be honest, but uh, Miro uh, very much dominating proceedings there. Loved it was it. Bruce, just, yeah, yeah, just looking like a massive hard bastard as he has done the last few weeks, just complete, complete in this elevation, uh, um, evolution from this thing that nobody wanted to see into this character that everybody thought it should be and everybody wants to see and and in that time as well he's put the fucking work into his um 
into his uh, body as well. God, he looks phenomenal. The shape he's in at the moment, like he, he looks he's, like a Hulk. He, oh, he, he, he looks he looks great. And again, I was just delighted seeing him uh, seeing him give Kip this good idea. As uh, Liam says there in the chat, yeah, we've been talking about this one for quite some time and um, waiting to see it happen. So I had a great big fucking smile on my face um, <laughs> seeing uh, seeing yeah. Kip get leathered all over the place. <laughs> like great stuff. Yeah. And giving him a future direction, I think it's difficult because you would normally say Darby Allen, but yeah, really they seem that. to be with, with Darby Allen, they want to go down this Ethan Page path. I don't see that. You know, keep saying that. With I, I don't think that's what's happening. I think the fact that Ethan Page is tied at the hit with Scorpio Sky, I think we may, we might get a tag match involving Sting. Like something, some like an offshoot thing mm. where it's going to be like Sting and Derby, or it's going to be Derby and Lance Archer. But I don't think there's a singles feud coming out of that. I don't think they see Ethan Page at that level. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I, I still, I still think the title match is Miro, and I think Miro mm. decimates him. I think that's what's what's coming for Derby. I think you, I think you do that, and then you build to Lance Archer versus Miro, like mm. as a, as another kind of TNT match mm. down there because you can have them all kind of involved in this. But that's. You should be doing that. It should be similar to what Brody Lee did to Cody. It should be mm-hmm. that kind of a deal. Um, and you build it up as your big main event, mm-hmm. and you just like you have him main eventing one of the, one of those shows, and you do just have Miro go out and absolutely kill him, mm-hmm. and you say I'm not stopping at the TNT title, and you do that, and you create, you have your monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Um, any other notes on Dynamite you guys want to mention before we move on? I think the only other things that I just wanted to quickly reference that I've had written down a couple of weeks now and not mentioned <laughs> is how much I'm loving Alex Abrahantes with um, Penta <laughs> because he's someone who has been like a highlight in the same way that John Silver was a highlight for me, like on BTE, like Alex Abrahantes has been like really good, someone I've really enjoyed. And I think they've given him this role on TV, on Dynamite with Penta, and he's just like, to me, he's just taken to it like a, a duck to water and he's got great like great personality. He's just, he, he just comes across like that dickhead that you just want to see, you know, get his comeuppance. He's, <laughs> he's so smarmy in the way he talks. He can talk really well as well. I think as a pair and it's, it's been great. And he's just been someone that I've been delighted to see transition from BTE into, into this position, like on the main show and, and him, him, him do it well. I think his, um, I think his own, he offers more in that position than we've seen a lot of the, the managers do on Dynamite. And I'm, I'm just uh, I'm quite uh, intrigued to see how far he can, he can push that because I, I really think there's a, there's a lot of mileage in him from a, from a comedy perspective. And the only other thing I wanted to raise on was uh, Chris Statlander. I think she's looked great since she came back. I don't know. They just I, I, I can't quite put my finger on it, but I don't know if it's, her look, her work, the way she holds herself. She just seems to have like a bit more confidence about her or just a time in the ring or something like Sometimes I think somebody just having to have a bit of a breakthrough injury can sometimes be really good for them that they can kind of just take a step back and just look at things and just think about how they present themselves and, you know, how they how they work. And I, I think she's clearly somebody who's put a lot of work in while she's been off TV and since she's come back, to me, she looks leaps and bounds um, above where she was previously as well. And I think in a women's division that's growing, developing, and improving, she's just another one there that that's 
you know, somebody who can be dropped in in the next 12 months who's only going to enhance that division as well because if she continues mm. to progress the way she appears to do while she's been off and then in the matches that she's had since she's come back, like, again, I think she's got a, uh, uh, I think she's got a lot of upside that they can capitalise on. Totally. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, that uh, like I say, blood and guts is uh, is coming up uh, Wednesday night. So yeah, that will keep the uh, the AW talk to that. I'm sure we have plenty, plenty more to uh, to say about it uh, next week. But I can tell JP just wants to leave time here to have a, a big old chat about uh, MLW. Um, I assume did you? Bother we all watched us? it. Did you bother your ass watching it this week, mate? Don't don't be asking us. Don't be putting us on the spot. Come on. I watched it. All right. No, you watched sure. it, did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Asked it, yeah. Well, it's the season finale. So like, I don't you know sure? about you lads. Yeah. <laughs> I listened to that daily update. You didn't seem sure. <laughs> I hadn't watched it then. No, mate, I hadn't watched it the day after it was on at six a.m. I'm sorry about it's that. I, 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 I must be slacking. Um, no, no, no. I, I watched this. It, loads of filthy Tom. We were talking about this in in the pre-show. He's great um, as well. Ah, uh, it's. They've got new swazzy, snazzy new graphics. Swazzy, is that a word? Snazzy new graphics, haven't they, for them going on to Vice TV. It actually looks very good. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we we say a lot about MLW and the carny nature of it, particularly the way I like. I like the way it subtly rips off UFC mm. but as much as humanly possible when it comes stuff, to the yeah. graphics. Oh, it looks, but it looks good. So, yeah, if you're going to rip off it someone, should. rip off them. I think that's, that's what you do. Um, as a show... I have to say this is possibly the best match that of one of these younger Von Eriks is ever going to be involved in. Um, and I don't know how much of it's really down to them and it's down to filthy Tom Lawler, but I enjoyed the main event kind of more than what I thought I would do. I, and I say enjoyed, I went three stars. Might want to say All what right, the main so event is because no one other than us watched it. Like, what was it? <laughs> right. Tom Lawler versus Marshall Von Erich, the tall blonde lad who doesn't wear shoes. Yeah. Um, yeah, the other brother. The other brother was on the opener against Dominic Garini. That was shit. Like I, I thought, I, it, I, it really did. Garini's crap. I don't know why people think he's good. I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> sorry if we've seen the, the violence is forever tag team, and I think that's where he is. But they're putting him in singles matches against lads who are shit, and it and it's not good look. As I do. Like, to be fair, like, yeah. he's a good tag wrestler. Yeah, I've, I've, I've yet to see a singles match. I've enjoyed him as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's where I am with it as well. But like, there's so much. I find myself again watching this with a big smile on my face. The PWI investigation into the secret roots of Azteca Underground, <laughs> great. Serena yeah. Delarenti being kidnapped by a masked man, who the, the commentators randomly reference on there, and it's like you're not doing anything about this, are you? <laughs> ISIS popping up, having signed new contracts with MLW. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> which is an incredible storyline um, to have going on there. Um, yeah, your man, you know, I was, I've not served in the military, but Stephen, you has. And um, <laughs> if you have had a problem with some 40 earplugs, like he's the fucking, he seems to be well on it. I don't know if it means it's a massive issue or am I over-egging these commercials? But even then, I laugh at those. Like, I, I do find myself sort of like, chuckling the whole way through and we even got a buku dow match for gareth again he's yeah. <laughs> joining <laughs> we happy about that <laughs> not this week <laughs> 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 nice flatliner 
<laughs> there you go. That's something nice. Oh. <laughs> is that is that? Have you lads anything nice to say about yeah. it this week? Oh. My my favourite thing this week that I that I uh, I enjoyed this week was um, was Tom Lawler <laughs> questioning how natural Marshall von Eric is and um, saying how you don't you don't just naturally get a claw that strong and then having to do is the whole like piss test and then awaiting <laughs> the Marshall von Eric piss test and then he passed the piss test and Lawler wasn't having it. I was I was lo- I was loving that. I was like, what a great little. Uh, wrinkle to throw into the uh, in, <laughs> into the uh, storyline but as I said before like fucking hell uh, paying Tom off the Lawler. ref in front of everyone yeah oh, the camera didn't make any sense Tom, like, Tom, Tom Lawler he had those two things there he paid off the ref he did a backstage thing with um, Team Filthy at the start he had a match I was like Tom Lawler was like he was on screen for pretty much about Eight of the ten segments uh, oh, no, <laughs> this week. He fucking he fucking worked hard, and then, but consequently, by the end of the show, I was like, oh, I quite enjoyed that. That was uh, that was maybe the best of the MLW shows that I've uh, <laughs> I've watched to date. And I don't know, maybe it was that Tom Lawler presence throughout it because uh, he was because he, he was pretty uh, pretty great on the mic on those on those bits in between. And then yeah, the match itself, like you say, JP, enjoyed it. A good good three star match. It's a nice solid TV match. It can go either way, those filthy Tom um, dominated MLW fusions, though. It can be this or it can be filthy Island. So, filthy you know, this is the, yeah, the better I did miss that one. <laughs> you, you did well to miss that one. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you what, the other, the other big notes are coming out of the show as well. Oh, genuine news note. They've got a new MLW Championship Committee with a Dragon Gate yes. involvement and also of Revolution Pro Wrestling, Anthony Kildan. Uh, I think it was Andy Kildan. He's <laughs> uh, getting involved, uh, according to Alicia Atout. Um, yeah discuss <laughs> interesting actually wow. like, we might get we're one step closer to our filthy tom in uh in red pro at your call uh yeah which, aren't we jp yeah we, we, we're a step close to that jacob for two mm. in your call oh. i think I'd, I'd be all over not the von erics andy repeat not the von erics <laughs> not them <laughs> shit yeah and no matter what they say unfortunately i think we're going to get those at, at the la parks lads Sounds the other one. That'd be hilarious. Just for you to get to <laughs> yeah. see them live. <laughs> yeah. I want to be stood next to you when that happens. They're, they're terrible. <laughs> but I'll watch, but they're awful. Um yeah, yeah. I, I it, when they said this, I thought part of the other storyline they're doing is Dario Cueto um buying the company. So does that mean that Andy Andy Kilden is going to appear on uh, MLW TV having talking about booking matches for MLW with Dario Cueto. Because that's a hell of a set of circumstances there. Like, <laughs> I don't understand what it is when they mention it. It's It sounds like more court mouth bullshit to be honest with you but um, well, we talked about this on the news show we haven't mentioned it here but yeah there was a there was a story planted and i say planted wow. in the ufc this week that apparently mlw yeah. and, and ww are working towards a working relationship um i wonder who dave Meltzer's source on that was <laughs> could it be regular <laughs> caller core power um, <laughs> i mean i believe that when i see it uh, if anything happens it'll be fucking nxt no marks on MLW non-televised uh, matches, won't it? That's the that's the best yeah. you're getting out of that. But you know, bit of talk for MLW in a slow news week. It's uh, the genius of court power continues. It's never a slow news week for MLW. It's a press <laughs> release every every half hour. That's true. Actually, that's true. Oh, God, you know they're on Vice TV at midday. <laughs> midday though. Midday. After all this, this show, two months before they do a proper show, 
just going to be highlights and shit. Yeah, God. Uh, I did see, apparently, Court said uh, that, that slipped into the Observer as well. And apparently, this is because they don't want to show no fan shows on Vice. They want to show shows with fans. So it's going to be older shows. Hope it's not going too old. And uh, as you were joking on the pre show, JP, and we got Carino and yeah, all that stuff. Is that literally yeah. what the, I thought you were joking? What I the think they'll do is a lot real? of stuff from the first set of tapings they did in the nightclub when they had like a good few kind of bigger stars on there. I think they'll do that. But I did see Terry Funk versus Steve Carino appear. <laughs> of course. Like on the graphics. So yeah. <sighs> Let it die, of course. Let it die. <laughs> Christ. Never mind. Have they, they not got any dark side of the ring alumni? in there that they can draw upon oh, you, know? you know what Did jimmy that's... snooker never have a match for them or anything like that that makes so much more sense that was certainly like your teddy hearts of the world yeah right. um you should those dirty blondes it. put a couple of fags in their mouths and call them the bravo brothers and just have them <laughs> running out with that like bleach blonde hair down at the ring <laughs> <laughs> the jacket oh christ <laughs> oh well we had a box of fags chucking it into the crowd <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, I am sad. It's the uh, you know end of an era, JP. My Wednesday nights of watching uh, MLW for Dynamite <laughs> are over before they even got started. Oh well. <laughs> um, no, it will be on Wednesdays, I think, but it'll be a repeat of the show that's on Voice on Saturdays. I don't think it's changing at all. Leave the memories alone, Benny. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> a great, a great uh, two weeks this has been, folks. <laughs> it really has, isn't it? Uh, but presumably... two week MLW marathon that, that you two have gone through. I got precisely nothing to say about it either. Um, oh, apparently the, the season finale is uh, is tomorrow um, before Blood got. So there you go. We got one more, one more JP to. Uh, to oh yeah, it. no, because it's um, it's uh, the versus Fatu, it? Reed verse. It's it's Reed Rush too. Oh, is it Reed Rush? Right. Okay. Yeah, it's the big rematch to the three and a half star rated main event, and I was the generous man on the app. Fucking Christ! <laughs> Well, I'll be watching it, JP. You know, going going down yeah. with the ship, mate. Going down with the ship. Um, but presuming that's all we've got to say about MLW, did uh, anything else you guys happen to watch this week before we go? Um, I'm guessing now that you saw SmackDown in the end. I know you were interested in that one, J- uh, Gareth. And uh, second time, I almost called you Joe there. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Brian versus uh, Roman if Reigns. only. <laughs> 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 Look, Joe wouldn't have done the Patreon uh, with us, so you know you're up there. He <laughs> would have been watching MLW, and he wouldn't be watching that. MLW. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I didn't get around to watching that. It seemed to be something that I was relatively interested in as a just as a point of interest, really, just because we had seen stuff on, on the timeline about the storyline. When I looked on the the app as well, it had. Um, you know, performed relatively well. Like it's got like a four star rating, which for a well, 4.13, which for a WWE TV match is like fucking a 20 star rating based on some of the star ratings that go in here for, for WWE TV. So I thought it was worth a watch, uh, worth a watch. It's fucking Brian at the end of the day as well, isn't it? And I love a bit of Roman Reigns, but, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'll probably try and get around to watching that this week. It's interesting because, like, yeah, that's that's it. No matter how good the WWE match is, I don't know if it's bias or what. I can't bring myself to give it more than three point seven five. I feel like that's my ceiling. Like, if I gave it four, I'd be implicitly supporting the fucking shit that they put on TV all the time. <laughs> uh, maybe it's it's a style thing though as well, isn't it? It's like you know, okay, yes, this is Daniel Bryan versus Roman Reigns, but it's Daniel Bryan versus Roman Reigns on SmackDown with three hour breaks. 
and everything that comes along with the WWE presentation in the Thunderdome. So, you know, me giving it 3.75 and I don't think I'd go as far as a four. And just seeing seeing that average rating on, uh, on the app, you know, that is high praise, I think, for a, for a big WWE match. And I, I think you, you get enjoyment out of it, Gareth. It's a good, logical match with a strong finish you know in in roman um choking choking brian out at the the end of it all and it's you know i don't know how much real i don't want to give too much um credit to the stipulation here because they grabbed me a bit like i was a bit like "Mm, i want to watch this because theoretically this could be brian's last main roster match i don't think it is maybe he's going to nxt that could be wishful thinking maybe you know more likely he's gonna he's gonna turn up on raw um well you know we could see out the end of his contract doing dream matches on nxt that's something eh? that you know brian he's leaving to go to nxt i can't believe this (laughs) that's the uh (laughs) that's what's apparently happening uh it's that well it's that or raw isn't it um i don't think he's uh he's gonna come walking through the walking through the crowd in a a shopping center in minnesota (laughs) in a a, a shocking uh shocking turn up on a different program Maybe he'll turn up on, uh, on Ring of Honor TV. I'll, I'll take that. That'll be uh, <laughs> that'll probably grab me a bit more. But... No one would notice, though. <laughs> True. <laughs> Television title change this week. Did either of you lads know until I said it this morning? Yeah, Tony Deppen's a television champion. Oh, I like Tony yeah, yeah. Deppen. I, I, I heard that this morning and went, shit, I haven't put ROH on the app for two weeks. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I had to go and do that. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, um, but yeah, I, I would say, you know, it, as far as WWE TV matches go, it's a it's a worthwhile one. You know, Roman come out to his new theme, uh, which was uh, got a mixed response, but I, I liked it. It feels very, uh, very, very ahead of the table. Uh, him and uh, him and Heyman coming out with their uh, with their, sh- their, their their little swagger and Heyman kind of doing almost the impression of Roman behind them gave uh, gave me a little bit of a, a laugh. But yeah, as far as the match goes, it was just you know as good as you can get in, in a WWE you know TV presentation. You know, it was paced mm. well. There was good intensity. You know, Brian is one of the few I think WWE wrestlers who brings like genuine psychology to his matches and roman is someone for me who brings genuine physicality um to his matches and you know brian's up for it you know when he takes those those spears and when he takes the uh the bigger bumps in the match he he really takes them and you can tell he's uh he's having a great time out there as a underdog babyface working with uh with roman um and yeah i'm still aboard the uh the roman reigns hype train I, I still think he's the by far the the very best thing going on in in wwe and all in all yeah it worked work for me um as an overall presentation even if yeah i'm suspicious of uh, exactly what they were aiming for with this brian thing to me it just felt a little bit like ah uh, you know the uh the nfl drafts on the other channel so we want to want to squeeze a rating out so let's pretend it's brian's last match um if he's on smackdown before his contract runs out i'm not going to be shocked but um as usual he's talking a big game isn't he jp as we talked about he's still uh still throwing those quotes out there still talking about how yeah uh, mm-hmm. you're saying kenny omega is one of the best wrestlers in the world this week and uh, complimenting the young bucks and, and their working style and such as well and talking about how he wants uh, WWE guys to uh, be able to go out and work New Japan and, and work companies like that but yeah with Daniel Bryan whether it ever actually comes to fruition or not is uh, is very much another thing um, he's a look at Andrade mm. and the match he's they're setting up oh, for triple, triple Mania mm. with, uh, with Kenny mm. that's a match and that is probably how you say it by the way is it? Triple Mania, I know. It's yeah, tri- Triple Mania. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Ray Reyes was this weekend, JP. How was it? 
didn't see it. It was on a uh, Space TV, which is uh, a, a apparently this is very AAA. They don't own the rights to AAA being shown overseas. <laughs> One of the Roldan lads sold it onto the Lucha Underground lads, and it's all gone fucked up. But no, I didn't see Raya the Raya de Reyes. Um, Fabi Apache's back. Yes. Four star match on the app. Oh, Aramis versus Ares versus Dynastia versus Latigo versus Toxin. Four hey. stars. So WrestleMania weekend legends in there. Aramis. I was going to say Ares and, and Aramis. Oh. Oh. Well, they're part, they part of Dog Tanyan and the Four Musker Hounds, by the way. Is that not <laughs> Aramis? <laughs> it's Musketeers, I know, but the dog version came to my head first. <laughs> On that note, and I can do this in 30 seconds, I watched GCW this week. It was shite. Don't watch it. <laughs> really? I was bored on Sunday night. Tony Depp and Atticus Cougar had a two-star match, and then I skipped all the way to Nick Gage versus Jordan Oliver for the title, which was also a two-star match. Terrible. Nick Gage looked like he legitimately injured his leg again, but in true Nick Gage fashion, used it as a weapon for the finish to prove that he's fucking hardcore and he is Nick motherfucking Gage. Used like a like his backbreaker uh, finish despite the fact his leg was barely hanging on. Um, so there was that and the uh, the death match G Raver and uh, and Jimmy Lloyd. It was a decent death match and big uh, some good big spots to be honest with the uh, multi plant um, planted glass um, from like a little um, little stage uh, the glass ceiling match. Yeah, basically what it was. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, uh, actually, the, glass goal, the glass ceiling match. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Three three point eight three point eight five on the app. That's match, about fair. The main event. Three point seven five star death match. I'd, uh, I'd, did I'd it, did I, did I miss out by did well. I miss out by not yeah. watching a Joey Janela against Lee Moriarty? Did you? Couldn't tell you, mate. I'm not watching another Joey Janela match on <laughs> where Joey Janela goes out there for fucking half an hour or however long he wants to to uh, try and pretend he's a good wrestler. I missed the Joey Janela that had a bit of humility and knew he wasn't a good wrestler. Uh, yeah, I had no plans of watching that match and I skipped right to the uh, the last two matches. But if you're a death, or genuinely, if you're a deathmatch fan, G Raver and Jimmy Lobo was worth watching. Um, some good very on, very sick bumps with the uh, the glass on that one that I'm sure JP will be uh, rushing to check out. Um, yeah, buzzing, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm there. Uh, but yeah there you go I think we covered all that I tell you we did it in less than three hours lads so I'm, in, uh, I'm impressed by that a lot of uh, oh. lot of content that this week and uh, lots more to come next week with uh, with blood and guts and uh, and everything else going on this weekend but yeah other than that anything to plug anything you want to say Gareth about the app I'll just as always <laughs> download it but I'll let I'll, I'll, I'll let JP do his because uh, I think everybody knows where to download everyone knows where to download it these days but no yeah competitions you, this week if you uh, no, no, no competitions this week. We'll, uh, we'll maybe in a, give it a, give it a few weeks' time. Your your conversations with um with the uh, with our beer friends might have uh, sm- <laughs> might have spurred something there. You, you never know. But no, no. Once I've edited the yeah, intro, well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> now we're sucking diesel, boys. <laughs> um, I I do I have something to promote. Uh, yeah, I was on um on an Eddie's um football manager experience. The Arn and Eddie experience on YouTube with our friends um, Eddie Sideburns, Arn Furious, me talking about Arsenal. Um, not, and I wasn't able to. There's no swearing on the show, so trying not to swear while talking modern day Arsenal in and of itself is tricky. Mm. Um, things that I'd, I'd wanted to go into. Alan Farrell had reminded about Glenn Helder. I had a lot of thoughts about Glenn Helder in the day about how angry he made me towards the end because he was absolute fucking dog shit but with a glorious Lionel Richie style perm on him it was just like a a thing to see but yeah a lot of talk on that about sort of like 
sort of old Arsenal stuff. Um, so it's on uh, on YouTube. Um, got the the link out there as well. So yeah, have a have a watch of that. Otherwise, Twitter JPGP three E's. Yeah, follow me on Twitter at Benson Richie. Follow the Grapple app. At- Grapple app, follow Gareth at Grapple Gareth, and yeah, all than that, patreon.com slash grapple. Like I said at the top of the show, it is the uh, beginning of the month, so best type time to sign up, get all of our archives, including you know the historic um, spotlight archives from uh, the old indie corner days as well as everything we've got going on uh, this week and in the weeks coming up in the month. But yeah, other than that, that's it for us for another show. Should be back in our normal time slot next Monday night. But yeah, stay tuned and we'll see you then, everyone. Bye. So, yeah. Patreon. But go ahead, uh, Gareth, uh, your number uh, one two, aren't we? Number two. My number two is the Elmcore Centre in New York, oh. which I went to in 2017 with the specific intention of watching Progress Wrestling, drinking the Kool-Aid good and proper, as um, <laughs> me and Sarah needed a holiday that summer. And Sarah surprised me the day of well, the day it was my birthday weekend, and she surprised me with like a birthday trip to new york and uh the, the the purpose of that was to go and watch uh was to literally was to go and watch progress which uh there you go there shows you how much on the kool-aid i was as it happens i found out that they were running an evolve show in the same venue earlier that day so i was like great last we're doing a double header so um so we went to the evolve <laughs> show before um before that the evolve show wasn't that bad and the venue wasn't that bad for the evolve show because there was about 200 people in there so it it didn't it, it didn't um it didn't have the negatives that it would later have because this was a venue that probably on a conservative estimate with fire regulations and anything else should probably hold about 800 to a thousand people i would say for that progress show, there was comfortably fifteen hundred or more people in there. It was, and I don't know. It's that show that you know people have like talked about in the past. I'm not lying when I say it was hotter than the fucking sun in that venue. It was the most ridiculous, uncomfortable experience that I have ever had at a wrestling event. In fact, not even just a wrestling event. In life, it was the it was the most single, most uncomfortable feeling that I've had. So given this, that this is like New York in the middle of summer as well, so it was as hot as fuck outside anyway. Never mind when you're crammed into a venue that's like over capacity by fifty percent, and if you add on to the fact there that the fucking um, the fans, the ventilation system stopped working during the show as well, like. 
literally like um, no word of a lie from, from the the second that progress show started it was like someone had just inserted a tap into the middle of my forehead and just turned it on to full and just fucking like just left it going like my pants were, my, my fucking pants were absolutely soaked like I cannot tell you how much sweat was in my fucking arc crack like, it was absolutely unbelievable the heat like I'm like it must have been 60 degrees in there or something like that we we got to the we got to what was like the third sh- third match of the show had just finished and like I turned and I looked at Sarah and her hair looked like fucking Carlos Valderrama's it had just absolutely <laughs> just fucking just like gone ping and just like frizzed out and she was just like I can't take any more of this and she just she 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 left the venue we were coming up to the interval so she only missed one match with the match that she missed happened to be Jimmy Havoc versus um Joey Janela so it shows who's got most fucking sense in our relationship that I stood there with fucking Niagara Falls running down the back of my pants watching fucking Joey Janela and Jimmy Havoc like you, you know if if this was a top five worst wrestlers rather than worst venues you know both of them are fucking turning up on my top five there but um then as we like so we have the interval where it's like nice to like get outside and get a bit of fresh air but you you know you 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 come back in and it's still as hot and it's still as crammed as fuck and then i think it's like the second match back and then a tk cooper goes for some like massive dive and bad for the lad like Mm. he falls and he fucking breaks his leg Bad for us as an audience who are crammed into a venue, fucking desperate basically for the show to be over at this point because you're just like absolutely dying in there. You've just got to stand around forever while they fucking deal with him. I think some bloke fucking was so hot that he like passed out and fucking shit himself and things yeah, like that. that. And he had, to be, he had to be attended to by paramedics and carted out as well. And all the while you're just looking at your watch just thinking, I just want this show to be over. And, you know, you've had the pleasure of paying fucking, well, I didn't pay, Sarah paid because it was my birthday. Birthday, but you've had the pe- pleasure of flying yeah. over the fucking Atlantic to go and have a couple of days in 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 New York to to, to see <laughs> this. And essentially, it was the Brixton it was the Brixton Rec Centre as well. So it was just some shitty fucking gym with basketball hoops at the end, as you've seen if you've ever watched an Evolve show ever. Fifty percent yeah. of their shows been in that environment. So the the venue itself was 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 shit. So shit, in fact, that in between shows they were. Um, they were ordering in pizza from like the local pizza place and then selling it by the slice for probably about five times as much as they'd fucking paid to get the single pizza delivered as well. That is, that is the standard. There was no beer in there. They ran out of water because obviously everyone was so fucked that they were just like absolutely parched and dying to, dying to drink. And then me and Sarah had plans for like a big night out in Brooklyn there where we were supposed to be going like around like the craft beer bars of Williamsburg and things, but we just absolutely just ringing like we just fucking dived in a bath and just got out of the bath as well so we were like fuck that we're just going need to go straight back uh, straight back our hotel and, and get changed so um yeah what was uh what was supposed to be a bit of a um a nice little weekend away from the kids there and just enjoy a night away at the wrestling and doing a bit of a, a double uh, double indie shot there in new york and uh have a bit of a uh have a bit of a nice night in brooklyn turned out to be to, to be pretty shit really so uh, the elm Coast center has a um has a little corner of my heart devoted to it there when it comes to worst wrestling venues and it was an an easy easy top two which uh I'm tells you how bad one. 
tells me how bad number one is. Oh, great. Dave, David Bixon's fan likes this. Um, fuck me. Like, yes. that was. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm actually I'm glad I know someone who was he there. The he, right? Apparently, he did. Yeah, I remember the kickoff on the night and. He was kind of made fun of for it. It was like, oh, you little bitch, you can't, you can't. But hearing Gareth describe it, it's like, okay, I get it now. I get it now. No, oh, God, mm. it was, I did have thought I'd been transported to hell. But, you know, being, being, being the complete, being the complete, being the complete is that I am as well. I had to stand there and yeah, you're never watch every, every single match. I had to see at the end. There was no way I was well, fucking watching every minute of that show. <laughs> Incredible. When you're in a cult, you'll do crazy things, won't you? That Absolutely, is... I felt, I, it felt like I was in Waco. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this show was worth it just for that story. I, I, I can't even guess what your number one's going to be now because I, I don't I think I can get really worse than that. Can't. I really don't. It, it, it should have been number one, actually, but yeah, no. Oh. My number one is my number one for, de- for Defo. Wow. <laughs> Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. 